Ah. Mama. Mama. Wow. We made it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What it, what it, what it do though? I wasn't expecting that at all. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Ah. Nobody does, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, hold the fuck up. Great Drop style. whatever you're doing and allow us to welcome you to the Mama We Made It podcast. Mm-hmm. Can I just let everybody know? It's Wednesday where we're at, mm-hmm. but we just had a Tacos El Galito Wednesday. We did. Made a trip to the taco truck. Had some horchata, some chicken burritos, some chicken tacos, salsa like it, what it do though. Tell them new shit. And we also <laughs> created a new drink. We did. A Tennessee horchata. That's mm. right. And for those of you that don't know, it's Jack Daniels in your horchata. Get it going. Try that. You heard it here first. One billion. And without further ado, I'm yes. look, I'm so happy we made this work. Yes. I'm so happy now is the time that we're yes. doing this. Episode 64. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Asher Roth to wow. the Mama We Made It podcast. 64. 64. Strong number. Strong number. Yeah, coming in. Coming in hot. Strong high. number. We got some experience under our belts. Oh, yeah. Man. But we're still young. How exactly. in the world are you, my brother? Man, where do we begin? <sighs> I'm great, though, man. I'm happy. Happy as can be. I love it. Yeah. Well, shit, why don't we start with where you came out swinging out the womb? Like, what it do? Wow. Like, where was I born? Yeah. Uh, Princeton, New Jersey, strangely enough. Really? Yeah. Really? People don't know that about me. I mean, I was only there for probably like six months, born with breast milk jaundice. I was a yellow baby. Oh, wow. Um, All I needed was a little sunlight, you know, but they put me under the incubator. But I just needed a little sunlight. So I was an ugly ugly kid, man. Ugly kid out the womb. (laughs) Super hideous. (laughs) But uh, pulled it together, slowly but surely. But yeah, man. uh, And then grew up uh, in Morrisville, Pennsylvania. That's where, that's where more so people would, Yeah, so uh, it's not too far from Princeton, Trenton, all that jazz. Kind of moved across the bridge yeah. and uh, was raised in Morrisville. I have no... Um, I mean, my parents were jumping jumping and jiving, and they were, you know, Heightstown, New Jersey, and they talk about these things. And my mom was married to a man named Francisco. That sounds like mythology, all that <laughs> stuff. So, but my, my first memories are probably hugging my, my aunt, mm. uh... And thinking it was my mom, and she looked down at me, and she goes, "I'm not your mother." Wow, that's, that's kind of my first memory because I think I was like really startled and scared. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, yeah, like who are you exactly then? Who like are you? Then? And yeah, it's my mom's sister. But yeah, uh, grew up man, serious mama's boy. Probably my dad always said I was attached to the apron strings. Is what he used to say. I oh, love it. Uh, yeah, because I mean I have two older sisters, okay. and so uh, are you the, you're the youngest? I'm the youngest. Wow. Yes, two older sisters. Parents are still together, man. Shouts to shout the, out shouts to them. Parents, wow. Dude. Hey, hard, but uh, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, set a good little standard for me. But dude, Princeton, New Jersey, Morrisville, Pennsylvania, where it all began. What What was childhood like for you? Uh, it's interesting, bro, because when you're going through it, it's just childhood. But then when, sure. I, when I look back and having had the, the, the fortune and the luxuries to have lived in somewhere like Atlanta, Georgia, live in New York City, live in LA for four years and now be living in the city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I look back at Morrisville, um, and you know, it's not, it's, it's, I, it's tough to even call it really middle class. It's like 
when I'm there, I, I was didn't struggle by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I grew up in an area where you, you have minority groups and people hanging out and that's just my life. And then as I get to, tr- to travel and, you know, being a white kid growing up in essentially the suburbs, some of those places in America, those suburbs of, of, of America, these people aren't meeting black people or Hispanic people in their lives. No. You know, I'll, I'll hang out. I'll go down to like um, Texas or these places in the suburbs of Texas. And they're just like. Yeah, I didn't meet a black person until I was 18 years old. And so That's wild. Very it's much super real. A lot of the country is like that. So I'm actually really happy about where I grew up because mm-hmm. I was exposed to so much where there were like kids who had money. And so it wasn't ultra intimidating when you did meet people that and families that did have money. But then you also knew families that were just scraping by and getting by. And I think having uh, having all to having the opportunity to experience all that has uh, allowed me to go through my life in a very pretty humble state, happy, appreciative for what I get, uh, and uh, not grow up too too spoiled. Where I think, or too uh, complacent for mm-hmm. that matter, and content. And when I think people grow up in the burbs, they might just stay there for sure uh, because they're like, "This is cozy. I'm sure. good here. I don't need much more, and I don't, and I'm and I'm not threatened to make much less." But you know, growing up in Morrisville, where it's, where there's people that are definitely just kind of scraping to get by, and and like I remember our our high school, you know, the football program didn't even have matching helmets. You know, <laughs> they were just wild. taking whatever they could get. Uh, and so my parents actually moved me up the up the street. I grew up on uh, West Trenton Avenue in Morrisville, and then when sixth grade hit, uh, when education not like education's not real uh, in the elementary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they moved me up up the street just to get into a different zip code, just to, so I can get into a little bit of a better high school. Kind of like that middle school time. Yeah, so sixth grade is when I moved into Pensbury. And I mean, the craziest thing is when that happened, I mean, Morrisville is like 500 kids from sixth grade to 12th grade, all oh, in. Oh, wow. Very small. Um, and then um, Pensbury, which I en- ended up going to uh, to high school, is like, you know, 800 kids, 900 kids in a graduating class. So it was much larger. And I, man, I mean, that was crazy for me. I actually suffered like serious anxiety attacks. And that was the first thing. It's, it's funny talking about no when we'll get into it. Uh, and it's kind of popular now. Uh, with social media, people talk about anxiety and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I actually sympathize with that stuff. And I can't just write it off because I experienced it at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Probably had a lot to do with just like pu- going through puberty and having all these, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're 12, you're 11, 12 years old. And then you switch into a major school and I had crazy anxiety that like I didn't want to go to school, developed a weird um, like phobia about eating in public. Really? Yeah, wow. it was crazy. So like, this, this was during that like transitional This was sixth phase. grade. This was wow. specifically sixth grade. Specifically. Yeah. Wow. So like, dude, it was really gnarly because a lot of it stemmed from what are other people going to think about me? Because mm. here I was a new kid in and a that school. is debilitating, bro. Man, and at that age, you know For what I mean? Sure. At 11, 12, I'm leaving everything that I knew, all the friends that I had, yeah. going into a much bigger school where all like the friend groups were had, had already been like kind of predetermined from these kids going to school together in fourth, fifth, third, yep. fourth, fifth. Yep. So everybody had their home and you're coming in now you're the new kid and i just like developed this weird like um phobia of like throwing up in public and so i, I was like i'm, I'm not going to eat school lunches because i feel like i'm going to throw up in public so i would like when i i would eat when i got home it was really bizarre man and wow. it's it's funny to talk about and when i tell people that story one from like uh, being able to empathize with people who are going through it for sure and <clears throat> just how however i embodied it but um also 
going getting into performance and entertainment where it's like you're constantly projected onto like what are people going to think about this yeah and so like i battled that really early on at like 11 12 years old how long did it last uh it was probably about i would say probably sixth grade so like a year a good strong year and my my mom helps me out and i'm not a religious person at all she would she would clear us up but one of her friends like sent me over like a it's like a, one of the saints, like I want to say like St. Francis or something like that. Uh, just a, a little emblem or something um, to hold and have. And it, that was just kind of the start of just the mental game of everything's going to be all right. You mm. know what I mean? And I thank God, my dad, man, because my dad, like my mom, again, being the mama's, like a mama's boy, uh, being like connected at the apron, the, the apron strings or whatever my dad was <laughs> yeah. like, My dad finally stepped in. He's done it a couple times in my life. He's like, you're being a little bitch. Like, get the fuck out. Of, you're going to school right now. You know what I mean? Where my mom would be like, do like, go easy on him. You know what I mean? And my dad was like, you're a little bitch. Like, come on, let's go. And that was huge. That was huge. He's done, the only other time he did that uh, was with the ocean was getting in the ocean and I was I was really young probably 5 6 years old. I was like, yeah. "Ah, man, the waves are crazy." He's like, "You're you're being a little bitch. Come on, let's go." Um you're going to get over you're it. Gonna you're going to get gonna over be, it. You're, you're going to be alive. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, being when you're younger, you, I didn't I didn't appreciate that type of parenting. For As sure. I'm older, I'm like, "Dad, thank you, man. You're yeah. a man." You know yeah. what I mean? Like, "Thank you." Uh, it was really but you know, when you're younger, you want to take the path of least resistance. And you're like, yes. "Oh, mom doesn't ground me." Mm-hmm. I hate my dad. My dad grounds me. But like <laughs> now as I get older, I was like, dude, my dad is the truth, man. Thank you so much. So No, and it, it also sounds like, because I, look, I kind of went through similar stuff too. It sounds like you were like a fearful kid. Mm-hmm. As much as it's hard to admit that, bro, I was like a fearful kid too. But luckily I had a really great camp counselor. Yeah, somebody. That, and that just someone that was going to kind of just say like, no, we're we're doing this. No, and, and just really push you. And it was pivotal for me too. Of you do need those people in your life. I don't know where that comes from. Like I, yeah. I, I don't know where the fear came from. You know, I'm sure for you as a kid, I, I kind of want to go back just a little bit. Right before middle school, what kind mm-hmm. of kid were you in terms of you, you know your interests, things that yeah. that uh, you know sparked your mind, or or what kind of kid were you? You know, were you into sports, arts? Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that. As I was, I had that thought while I was driving up here. There was a um, uh, I guess it's called the root or something down there with just a bunch of grown, grown ass kids doing pottery, mm. and just it's like a, it's just a bunch of grown kids essentially. I mean they're they're twenty really? thirty year olds, but they're all doing pottery and they're sitting around a table doing pottery and it's clearly you know they're all pretty amateur at it, um, and and I started to think about like that's what it's like being a kid. You just kind of like go and you do some things and what do you like? What are you attracted to? And Mm -hmm. sometimes we end up losing those options, the options to just pick and think about what am I attracted to? And you just, you just take on whatever's in front of you and whatever's going to pay the bills and do whatever it is that you have to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, fortunate enough for me as an artist and having some success, had a lot of time to think about, you know, uh, what am I interested in? And it's it's interesting to think about like, well, what were you interested in when you were a kid and you're in all of your innocence? Yeah. Uh, for me, I grew up playing the drums. That was something for me. Sports, for sure. Um, uh, art as well. I mean, music, I, I, like I was very, I'm, and always have been an outgoing kid. I mean, I can tell you for sure where my kind of anxieties came from. 
won my own ego because I actually, Greenhouse Effect Volume 1, I actually rapped about it on Black Mags, mm-hmm. was meeting this girl, Meredith Robeson, uh, and throwing up uh, after drinking milk mm. uh, in like third grade. And I guess I harbored that embarrassment. You know wow. what I mean? And it came back out at like probably sixth grade, moving to a new thing. It was like basically like, I, I can't throw up in front of all these people. I'll be so embarrassed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's obviously ego and everything. So, you know, from a whatever, that's where my fear was coming from. But interesting. Uh, yeah, dude, really bizarre Wild. psychological shit that, yeah. we, that we do to ourselves. I mean, it's all kind of man-made, right? Yeah, For yeah. Sure. These fears are all kind of conjured up on our own. But, uh, you know, to get back to more of my interests and in, like, you know, in MR Writer, the school that I was going to in Morrisville, great student, uh, outgoing, um, but I always got like a N, which was needs improvement in like talking to and making noise in class. That kind end. of just like I've always been got an end for in, sure. In, that that For some, it's N. Others, it's U. It's like the yes. unsatisfactory. Yeah, 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 right. I got a U. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. But why aren't grades still like that, man? I, that system's amazing. Let's just like pick a letter and whatever what we yeah, want that letter real. to stand for. for but I used to get ends, needs improvement all the time, and talking in class. But that's always been something I've been really into is like kind of making people feel comfortable mm. and. And, and like, you know, being almost a, you know, uh, a, a bridge of some sorts, like here are the cool kids, here are the super dorks. And then there's me in between. Mm-hmm. And I was always in between. I wasn't like a cool kid. You know what I mean? One of like, I, I wasn't dating the hottest girls or anything like that. And I wasn't on the varsity football team or whatever. And I didn't play any varsity sports. And then there was like the kids who just didn't have a lot of social intelligence, but were really smart, but I could connect to all those kids. Yeah. Um, and that continued with me with high school. Once I got past all the, the bullshit that I was bringing on to myself, mm. I became a very, you know, uh, a, a very social kid and, and was able to hang out in a lot of different social circles mm-hmm. in, in high school specifically. Uh, and even in middle school. But again, middle school, I wasn't facing as much like competition. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, elementary, elementary school. Yeah. I wasn't facing as much competition. I was in a really small space. More yeah, so it was tiny. So it's once you've established yourself, you know, I was a good center, like center fielder, shortstop for the baseball team. Mm-hmm. I knew who I was. It was very easy. Yeah. And then like that 12 years old, Little League baseball is over with. Um, <clears throat> and now you're becoming like a teenager and I'm moving into a new world. That's when I was like, who am I? Yeah. You know what I mean, where do I belong in this? And that's like. And especially who am I and. Who the fuck is everybody else? I don't know y'all. I don't know any of y'all. How am I supposed to operate here? Yeah. And so it, it took a little bit of a toll on me. But again, like uh, everything's going to be all right. Right. And that's that's like a it's a silly mantra, but it's a real one because I would I would always do this, man. I would always put like these are all the things that could go wrong. These are all the, I'd run it through my head, all the things that could go wrong and I'd worry and I'd stay up late and I'd lose sleep. And in the end, it's all good. When the, when the event, whatever I was worried about leading up to, once it's over, maybe it didn't go perfect or anything like that, but like, all right, I'm good. And so that's something that like, you know, switching schools, moving to Atlanta, little things like that. The uproot is a, is a beautiful thing. It really you learn is. a lot, you grow a lot. I, uh, I, I feel for my dad and I actually have a very similar similarities to him is that, He's a, he's a Navy brat. So like mm. both of his parents were in the Navy. So he moved around a lot and sure. never really established serious friend groups that he's, he's carried with him for his whole life. Which yeah. is common in that element. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I think it's also, you know, 
for better or for worse, some of the kids I'm really envious of who have like grown up in the same space and they have friends, they're, you know, 30 years old or whatever. And they have people who have been in their life since they were 10. A lot of the people, like mine are all in chapters. It's like, you know, mm. I had my friends like Lewis Waters and Andrew Fitzpatrick. They were my best friends from like five to, you know, 10. And then from like 10 to uh, maybe 15, 16, I was hanging out with Sean O'Neill forever. Like, but those people aren't in my life anymore. There's one kid, Adam Souls, who like knows me from Morrisville and knows me from where I'm at now. Other than that, man, it's just all chapters of, of friends. It's actually and, what, like, so beautiful to hear <coughs> you say it that way. Cause like, even though we go through these chapters, it's, it's very hard to put it in that kind of scope. And mm-hmm. it's so true. It's yeah. so true. Like you're going through this book and being like, damn, like, wow, these are all moments. And like, there's no real through line other than experience. Are you guys, you guys are both LA boys though, yeah? No, bro. I, I, I was born in the Bay Area, moved around to like three different schools while in the Bay Area. Fourth grade, I moved to the Valley. Mm-hmm. Fifth grade, I moved back to, uh, the Bay Area. Sixth grade, I moved back to the Valley. Eighth grade, I moved to Orange County, and then college, I moved back up to L.A. So, so I was like the new kid a lot. Yeah, it's I a was real the funny thing. fat kid, mm-hmm. chubbalicious as a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's, and that's probably how you you became the funny for kid. sure. Mm-hmm. For sure, is that like a defense mechanism almost? Yeah, to acclimate quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and at the same time, I feel like you know it was one of two. It was there was either two ways to go, right? Like either be like the shy, uh, kind of like kid that, that that felt bad for himself and was like, oh my God, like I'm the new kid or just kind of burst up in the scene and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Great approach to take. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me, thankfully, you know, the way of the world and just who I was at that time, like I was just comfortable in doing so. Mm-hmm. But also like that, those experiences to me always, I feel like that really built my empathy mm. for people mm-hmm. because you get to, not only do you get to kind of like, be able to understand kids because at the same time bro like us kids are the fucking harshest human beings on planet earth bro yeah 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 yeah. but i really took for real like but i really you know it it not only allowed me like assimilate or just like you know move and shake in different circles at such a young age but it also allowed me to really build an empathy for all types of kids because it's like you understand, like, nobody knows what you're going through mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. But rarely do we take the time to be like, oh, the nerdy kid over here, like, what's good, bro? Like, right. who are you? You right. feel me? Everybody's so set in their ways yeah. and has their kind of, like, cast system hierarchy of, like, you know, this is Johnny. who's always been good at baseball. We fucking love him. You and know it's, what I'm a lot hasn't ch- doesn't change as you get older. For man. sure. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think we can learn a lot from what we learn from being in school and yeah. like the caste systems that get created absolutely and like, bro uh but i'm with you man i think it's been really it's really been cool to kind of have empathy towards the fellow the fellow human yeah uh, <laughs> because you know we have no i mean it's one thing how they interact and socially and like with with friends and stuff like that but you have no idea what's happening in their home you know I mean? you have no idea what they've been through as far as if they've had tragic losses and stuff like that and yeah. and why they may behave this, the way they did i mean for me uh, I took the other route as the new kid. Yeah. Uh, I was very observant and would chill. I didn't want to come in and slide on someone's block and start selling drugs and like, nah, this is my block. You yeah, know what for I mean? Real. You don't know, but like, you can't come in here all out. And I, I think that's like 
Uh, I love the other approach, though. I wish I was more kind of like, yo, love me or hate me, I'm here. Yeah. But I was way too insecure. I was just kind of like, let me vibe this out. But uh, it always ended up cool. Like, you know, ended up with the right people. I feel like uh, when I, as I reflect upon my past, I don't feel, I don't regret anything. I don't feel like I wasted any time. I was, uh, I think baseball, growing up playing baseball, taught me how to work with a team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and even my position on that, I wasn't the fastest, strongest, best player, but, you know, playing center field, um, playing shortstop, playing second base, like those are positions where people look to you for leadership mm-hmm. and kind of sound advice and to bring everybody together. When I was the guy that if we're down by four or five, I'm like, yo, we're still in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that to me has been a characteristic and a trait that I've always carried around with me and I think has what's helped me um, uh have uh, the gravity for the certain friendships that I have in my life. Mm. I'm still that guy that like when people are like, man, I'm feeling super down and out. I'll come around. I'll be, I'll pop up and be like, yo, we're still in this. Like, yeah, let's keep for going. Sure. Yeah, it's been cool. As you got over that fear and that insecurity, how'd you just become or start to find yourself in this new surrounding? Uh, I mean, I would say, I would say some of the relationships and like, uh, and the friendships that I had and the way they made me feel when I was behaving myself and getting that acceptance. And like when I had my moments of being more outgoing and, you know, being the kid that knew all the lyrics to all the songs on the radio, you know, being able to recite them back and people saying, Hey man, you know, all the lyrics, to all these songs on the radio, just those different moments. Like, I don't know if I can pinpoint stuff that gave me that, that affirmation or that reaffirmation of like, we like who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of like started to blend in organically. Sure. Like. And, and by, you know, by being, you know, by cracking jokes and like, you know, and talking, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of people might not speak or Something might not like. raise their hands because they're afraid of being wrong or yeah. afraid of some, of how someone's going to respond to what they yeah. just said. Yeah. And lucky for me, the reactions or the interactions that I was getting from speaking were positive, was mm. positive feedback. Mm. And, you know, it's the same thing with rap. Once I started to rap, it wasn't that I was like a savant or anything like that. I I think that people just, the reactions that I got were like, hey, you're pretty good. Keep going. And it was the same thing with just being social was like, you know, I got attention from females. Um, when I was young, I had a girlfriend in second grade. You know what I mean? And I, I, dude, I'm telling you, so it's crazy. Like, I'm so appreciative for like love and like, uh, intimacy with women because I also understand that there's people out there that have like never kissed somebody yeah. or don't have somebody to like rub their, rub their back or play with their hair or anything like that. Like, so I'm super grateful for that. It's such a, it's such a gift. Uh, and like love is, love is it, man. So, for sure. um, you know, I've been very fortunate to get acclimated in who I am, even in that sense too, mm. uh, to know when a relationship's a real one, because I think people, they go their whole lives. That might be the only thing they really want is just companionship and yeah. love from somebody. And they get in all the wrong relationships because maybe from zero to 22, they never had a girlfriend yeah, or they never had a partner. And so like by the time they get it, they have to spend the next 18 years trying to figure out what they actually want in a relationship. Yeah, And that's like, you know, so again, I got a lot out of the way from zero to 16, I guess. Uh, high school, essentially, mm-hmm. I got a lot out of the way that has allowed me to kind of like, I think, grow at a very natural pace. Absolutely. I want to kind of dive into, you know, before we even like go further, the family element, mm-hmm. like having the dad who was 
you know, the hard ass mm-hmm. uh, Navy brat, mm-hmm. the mom who you were glued to, mm-hmm. and two older sisters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was that dynamic like, and and how do you think that kind of affected you, or or built your character kind of like growing up? Ah, mm. uh, huge. More so now. Really? I think I was getting implemented with values. I remember my sister basically. The she probably doesn't even know this, but the best advice she ever gave to me was just don't be a douchebag. <laughs> it was as simple it. as that. She was like, just don't be a douchebag. Like my oldest sister, and like I was like noted. Like I, <laughs> for whatever reason, I feel you. I'm gonna take that one. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna take that you, one. That yeah. one, I'm taking. Yeah, and you know, honestly, it's been really good for me too because you know, getting that female perspective. I know people who've grown up with nothing but boys and they're just they're just they have a slightly different perspective on things. yeah a little douchebaggerous vibe yeah i mean you know and just slow for them to go come around to the point that women are people too you know what i mean sure. like that's why we're here where we at is because probably a lot of people in, in charge didn't have any sisters who knows <laughs> you know what I mean? sure. uh, so dude gr- uh, growing up with i mean and my dad too he has he had four sisters oh so wow. you know we're like it's just a family of she-wolves and then it's like me, uh, and the only, the only like, you know, boys in the family too are my cousin Zach and my cousin Graham on the ones that I'm close with, obviously on, on my mother's side. So there's a lot of, of female influence. And so much, much more influential in my life as I get older, uh, to be more in touch with my feminine side and be yep. understanding and okay with that. Uh, when I was younger, you know, I was just kind of playing sports. Uh, my sisters couldn't tell me shit. Word. Uh, but as I get older and some of the themes and things that in my life, like relationships, balance, uh, all of those things, talking to them about it has, has really helped. And in a way, I don't talk to them as much as I would like because they have their own lives, but in a way, they're, they're my best friends. That's yeah. incredible. Uh, and that's what I'm really fortunate about my family is that one, uh, we're all kind of the same age. We're all just two years apart. Mm. So we get along. I mean, they were the background on my computer until my computer just did some glitchy thing and erased it. But I guess it's just time to get them out of here. <laughs> but, uh, they're, they're the homies, man. And as I get older and my parents stayed together, I'm just like, wow, man, I lucked the fuck out. Like, yeah. so lucky. I mean, so many people that I know, I just, there's no reason to name names, but when their p- parents split, huge moment in their lives yeah absolutely and it changes their course and they start going elsewhere and start looking for things in different a different direction they end up in kind of a different space yeah so for me that's a void that's really hard to fill bro man and like you know you look for it in whatever drugs relationships all over the place so uh really fortunate that i've had stability and consistency on the home front because you know we all know that this life is wildly unpredictable and we bring on a lot of this stuff ourselves and and obviously not all of it and a lot of it isn't that good or that healthy so to be able to come home and be with a family who's like yeah we're still pretty the same here everything's all right but yeah uh girls man they're for me the girls are just everything. I mean, even you see how much they dictate rap music. Uh, but at the same time, just like uh, reality, my, my healthiest relationships, a lot of my friends are females. And I just like, I just think they're the homies, man. Little, For sure. A little reactive, little emotional, but uh, very amazing to have. Uh, but a lot of what we need. Yeah, a lot. A lot of what we need. Uh, it's, it's funny, man. I, I Not to get too into it, but I'm a big fan. I, I spent a lot of time alone. Uh, over the course after I got out of a relationship and spent a lot of time alone before I rushed into another one 
And that time alone is so important. You kind of talk to yourself and learn some things and yada, yada, yada. But I also realized, you know, a big practicer of self-love, like love yourself first before whatever. And like, you know, what does it mean to love yourself? Yeah, like it's like a crazy conversation. And you just kind of take care of yourself. Eat good, get some sleep, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But then I also realized that there's a love that you can't necessarily provide for yourself. You need it from other people, whether it's sure. your friends or your community or your parents or, or a lover. Mm-hmm. But you can probably love yourself 95%. And then there's this other five percent that you can't do by yourself, and you For need sure. whether it be a community, whether it be community or or your pet or whatever it may yeah. be that's going to provide you with like. Thank you for for that love, and and that's why I'm saying, man, I'm so appreciative of just like a hug, mm-hmm. uh, and so appreciative for people like saying what they mean and things like that that really help me uh, feel better about myself and just continue to move in in a, in a place of honesty. I love that Incredible. you bring up this perspective. Mm-hmm. It's so important. It's, and I don't know if it's something that you think about as you get older. I mean, did you think about this when you were younger too? I don't think so, man. A lot of this stuff came because of my journey and my route through entertainment yeah. business. Yeah. Where uh, a lot of it at first and dealing with celebrity and dealing with those things that are forces that people, they do, um, I don't want to say nurture, but they do encourage. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, like, Almost you know, pulls you farther away from those things. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. And especially on social media and stuff like now, it's sure. it, social media, the exploitation of yourself and what you're doing and who you're with and, and all that stuff is pulling you away from what's actually important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I can't and unless say, you have that grounded and, and kind of solidified within yourself, dude, it's... And I'm so lucky, bro. Yeah. I'm so lucky that I have the parents that I have are literally on separate ends of the spectrum. My even physically, my dad is like six three, dark, and my mom is like five one, blonde, and like <laughs> yeah, they're just on other sides of of the spectrum. And so, uh, and then and then two sisters who. Are, are different people. They hated each other growing up. And not only that, the music that they were listening to, Ajika was listening to, you know, Tevin Campbell, Boys to Men, uh, Mariah Carey, and like, you know, the R&B and Janet Jackson doing, doing the choreography, the Janet Jackson If. Incredible. And then, you know, Tess is putting me on to like, you know, No Doubt and like the Toadies and yeah. like all this wow. like yes. no effects albums yes. and shit. And so it was really dope. <laughs> To have the, both those influences in my life because we we still don't you know we hope that we do but we don't know who we are and you're just kind of like taking little things from For everybody sure. you meet and For like sure. I, I like that I like that and hopefully at some point you can turn it into your own thing yeah so having older sisters was in, in, interesting because you know I couldn't necessarily be like that's who I'm going to be. But uh, I did look up to them for who they were hanging out with, the stuff that they were interested in. Tess, for the most part, was the one, like, I wouldn't have said, like, she she was such a cast off. Like, you know, she went through the goth phase and all of this stuff. But, like, she's so fucking cool, man. Like, now when I look back and I'm like, damn. Because she was kind of her own person. Yeah. She kind of bucked the, like, Ajika, who I love, and she kills it. And her and I do uh, really amazing things in the education world. Uh, her really, and I just kind of ride her the coattails. But 
she, you know, she was a, ch- a cheerleader and like kind of did like the mainstream thing. Sure. And Tess was so like independent and kind of yeah. like anything but that. I, I refused to be like my older sister. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just the baby brother playing baseball, watching the wars at the house. <laughs> you know, what I mean? you. completely removed from it. I'm like, yo, these bitches is crazy. <laughs> but it, it's you know, it's great to see what was meaningful to them and really all that they were looking for was kind of just to be like, you know, have their space, be understood, and for like. Sure. Eat a good meal, you know? And it's helped me with the relationships with, with the, the lovers and significant others in my life, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel the same way. I have two sisters, uh, one older, one younger. And it's so interesting gro- being a, a, a guy growing up with two mm-hmm. women in the house, aside from like your mother and whatever cousins you have. But right. it's, a, it's a different wave, man. Like, it is. I would go to my friend's house who only had like brothers and I'm like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not getting my ass kicked every day. Right. Like, There's no wrestling real. matches. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but that's of, why I appreciate. That's why I appreciate my dad, bro. But that's why I appreciate my dad being like, you're being a little bitch. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. But um. Yeah. But what you learn, and, and you know, I'm, I'm half joking about that. But it's like, what what you learn with two sisters is is so much valuable. Um, I feel like it's helped my personality and how I relate with people, mm-hmm. understanding the female perspective mm-hmm. and how you, because as guys, we have guy friends, we, you know, you're, you're wrapped into that anyway in like school and extracurricular activities, sports, all those things. You're like broed out still for sure, time, mm-hmm. but you're coming home to a totally different environment. Absolutely. And it, it does this. I, I'm glad you talked about this. We haven't actually had that perspective on mm. the show. And it's really cool to to hear you articulate it like that. Yeah, because um, I haven't even really thought about it like that. Yeah, valuable man, and it's it's probably the most my I would say probably my most valuable asset in moving forward. And I think in my friend groups, a lot of the time people would be like, "Hey Asher, what do you think about this?" Mm. And they care about my perspective because I'm I'm again a little bit more empathetic, a little mm-hmm. bit you know I, I'm I'm in touch with characteristics that some people would describe as feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are things that I'm, I'm, are you considering this? Are you thinking about this? And it's really just a matter of being sensitive, not in a bad way. When no. people say you're being yeah. soft or you're being weak, uh, they sometimes being sensitive falls into that umbrella. Yeah. For sure. But for me, it's been a huge asset because like I, even just the way I look at somebody, if someone's being slightly defensive or like, or, uh, grandiose and like kind of, I'll look at them and they kind of relax. A little bit because it's not like a high who can get a higher vibration, who can get you know, who can get louder, yeah. who's, gonna, who's, who's alpha, in this yeah. yeah. And like, you know, with I have never really approached it like that. And I'm a Leo too, so sometimes that's in my nature to compete. Mm. But because of uh, because of the women in my life, it's kind of allowed me to just like chill, mm-hmm. like and let things kind of play out. Um, and man, valuable, very, very valuable because I think a lot of us get caught up, especially in places like Los Angeles, New York, whatever, whatever it may be, competing. For sure. Constantly competing. For sure. Uh, and we're doing it now on social media. So no matter where you're from, people are still competing for attention, uh, and com- competing for, yeah, main, mainly attention, I would yeah. say. But, um, man, I- I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really appreciative for the family that I come from. Uh, it's it's even hard to put it into words mm-hmm. uh, how much I appreciate them and like when you say things like hey I love you guys thank you so much that you hope that does it but it still doesn't do it justice for like you know um, the fact that I really lucked out 
I feel that way. And I'm, I'm appreciative for my father for sticking it out with my mom. I know it wasn't easy. Yeah. Uh, he's always talked about once you have more kids than adults, it's a wrap. So there was three of us. So we had the upper hand. We could have rebelled for sure. You know, we could have had a revolution in the household. Yeah. That's so ill though. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, he thugged it out and, you know, again, my, I mean, dude, my dad, very logical business and my mom it, reads tarot cards. So I'm like I have all wow. this influence in my life. You literally have grown up in polar opposite spectrums Man, the whole way. So valuable, but nobody was saying this is how it is, and I always see that's incredible. Man, lucked out because where, where we're you entering, were just exploring. Dude, I just got done with a conversation with my mom because I felt like there's so many influences going on in my life right now. And, and, uh, Joe, we've talked about this off, off air of just like, you know, establishing some structure, mm-hmm. establishing some, you know, some sort of business in your life that's more long term, long term influences that allow you to kind of thrive. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really see it. And I'm talking to her and she's throwing shit at me like, yeah, well, Neptune's in your world right now, which is, <laughs> which is allowing things for, yeah. to be like, you can't really, and, and Uranus, the influence of Uranus and Neptune. And like, that's my mom though. And like, you know, I did, I'm like, word up. I get it now. <laughs> Neptune is throwing all my shit off and I can't really see things and it's making it a little shape shifty. And that's what the influences are in my life right now. And I really appreciate that. And meanwhile, my dad's like laughing in the other room, like, go pay your freaking credit card bill, bro. You know what I mean? How about that? How about you tell Neptune to pay off your credit card bill? And, How about and, you get Uranus in check and bring that ass over yeah, here? Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, straight up. You want, let's talk about Uranus, bro, if you don't pay that credit card bill. Uh, so, man, having both of those things is just like, yes. To have that, that and to be observant and just watch it and uh, have all of that under one under one roof is just like cool. Great That's place to start. Incredible. Great place to start, man. Lucked out. Wow. I love that we're starting there. For sure. Mm-hmm. I love that. For sure. Yeah, man. So yeah. after th- this is so dope because this puts it all like into perspective for me, man. Like I love your family already. I want to meet every single oh, person. Oh, they're dope, in your man. Family. It's a good, they're a good. I want to have, have a conversation with your mom about Neptune mm-hmm. and the, the moons and the, the, the rising suns and the, the falling moons of my world. So after, when you got thrown into the new school mm-hmm. and high school starting mm-hmm. and it's like completely kind of new experiences for you, like what was that like in terms of because I, I feel like high school is such a transformative time for us Huge where time. not only are we finding our own selves, but it's but like the thought of adulthood is becoming a little more real. The the kind of formation of our personalities and just like who the big the I, I guess the the the, the the little cocoon of who we're going to become, the butterflies we're going to become, mm-hmm. is really forming. What what was that experience like for you? Uh, so we're talking like thirteen. Or we t- we're talking like high school. Yeah. Okay. 13, so like 14, six, 15. six, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Oh uh, wait, hold nine, on. That goes all the way twelve. Nine yeah. through twelve. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's funny because that's when like so again my identity uh, from who I was when I was young was like baseball. Baseball was mainly everything. I mean, my, my, our team was pretty damn good. Little League World Series. Like, oh, wow. Didn't go to Little League, but we were competing in it. Like, we Word. went, we went to states and everything like that. Like, we were a, a really good Little League baseball team. And again, coming from Morrisville, I was like, oh, it was a big deal. 
Um, and so by that time, I didn't really do the work in the off season. So by the time high school came around, these kids were big. The baseball, like these kids were the athletes in high school. I mean, if, even if you watch, uh, high school basketball nowadays, for sure, uh, 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 like these, these kids man, are legit, man. They're yeah, legit. for real. And I didn't, I didn't get blessed with those genes. I'm not six, three, like my pops, you know what I mean? I kind of got the in between. And so, um, so athletics and like that whole idea of like ba- being a professional baseball player or a prof- or a wide receiver went right out Just the window. Yeah. So high school kind of forced me to get like really start to learn social intelligence, I think. Mm. Uh, and that's when I picked up on and that's when I also also started rapping was probably around ninth or 10th grade. And again, that was more of a social thing. That wasn't like For I sure. want to be a rapper. It was just like rap music was booming. You know booming. what I mean? Shit was yeah. cracking in the early 2000s, late 90s. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. Shit was all over the place. If you weren't in, if you grew up in uh, the late 90s, early 2000s and you're not influenced by rap music, I'm wildly surprised. I completely feel yeah. you. I mean, some of the photos of me um, uh, being a young, early adolescence are so embarrassing. <laughs> but, uh, but it was real, man. Yeah. It was real. And so, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, ninth, 10th, um, and 11th, and by 11th and 12th grade, I was pretty much in there. But 9th and 10th grade is when I started making rap, making rap music. And it was because of of social reasons. Were you making music like just at home? Were you making tapes? Were you rapping in ciphers? Yeah, I was rapping in ciphers, hanging out. Uh, it was after school, uh, hanging out with my buddy Brian Sellers, who was the biggest influence on me. I was actually beatboxing a lot for the kids. And it wasn't because I was particularly good. It was just because, again, too shy to get in, involved, mm-hmm. but still wanted to be there. And so I was mm. beatboxing and then like kind of off on the side, you know, Brian would hear, hear me rap about things and like I would bring some ideas to the table and he was the one that kind of gave me that positive uh, reinforcement of just mm. like, yo, man, you should do this. It's not like any of us are exceptionally, you know, uh, exceptionally good. And you so need shit like that. You do, man. You need positive, you need positive reinforcement. You need encouragement. You need that. A encouragement lot is key. I don't say, I don't think it's the case for everybody. Yeah. But a majority of us needs, whether it be a parent or whether it be a sister or just a friend, but somebody who goes, yo, you should try this. Like, you, you, cause don't. so many of us have that little voice that's just like, uh, I don't know. And that, like, what are they gonna think of yeah. me? And all of that. It's Bro. Fucking paralyzed. All For of sure. Yeah. But then when you have that, like, close friend or confidant or somebody you care about, I feel like it's a little harder when it comes to, like, your parents. Because mm-hmm. at that age, you're kind of like, I want to be my own fucking For man. Sure. Like, blah, blah, blah. And also, but, they tell you everything. Like, yeah, 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 so good, yeah, bro. yeah, yeah. Like, no, this, this, but when you have the homie that's like, bro, you're, you're kind of dope. Like, just yeah. Get, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah. And especially at that age, I mean, what, you know, 16, what, yeah. 15, 16 years old. Where again, like you're saying, you're starting to, you know, come out of, you're starting to come out of your cocoon and become, yeah. become who you're going to be and probably show attributes that will show up in your future. For sure. So rap music comes into my life and I got that positive en- encouragement from Brian Sellers and we would go to his house and hang out in the basement and he was doing a lot of like the production, but really what we were doing was like buying beats offline. So none of us got heavy into like the production. It was more so about writing. Yeah. And uh, there was something really nice about people thinking it was cool and thinking we were good. Yeah. And I remember selling tapes and I remember buying Reebok classics off the m- money we made off tapes. I was like, this is dope. This is like I kind of a it. hustle. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because the, 
the motivation then is definitely different from the motivation now. Sure. Whereas before, the motivation then, I would, I wish, maybe, I would hope I would like to say, oh, the motivation's the same when I was 14 or 15. That's not the case. I think, you know, 14, 15, 16, it was more about acceptance and people thinking I'm cool. For sure. And now it's more about like, how deep can I go and how honest can I be with myself? Mm. Interesting. Um, and that's why I'm in, uh, uh, an interesting place and a cool place, but also a completely different space. If I just went for the cool points, uh, it's, they pretty much laid out for you what you need to do for sure to get the cool points for sure. But they don't lay out for you how to get in there and really learn your insecurities and your fears and then express that through whatever medium you choose. So yeah. It's been a gnarly journey for me, but man, high school pretty easy, man. Accepting. I, once I figured out that I could get a C and not get in trouble, I was like, all right, cool. Uh, and so I kind of just coasted. That's the only thing, man, about academics is that, and, and kids in general, uh, it's really hard to get these kids to pay attention. School and public school specifically are kind of a sham. For They're sure. Kind of teaching you bullshit. Yeah. I really appreciate public school because you learn social intelligence and stuff that are themes. I mean, I work in the music business and it's wildly political. It's wildly who's friends with who yeah. and who's hanging out with who and who's having sex with who. Yeah. And those are kind of similar themes to high school. Of Absolutely. like who's on and cracking is the same, you know, is the same shit that high school is on. So I appreciate public school for that reason. Uh, but as far as education, I didn't receive any, like, they didn't play to my strengths. I wish I was a little bit more engaged. They don't really even try and find out who the fuck you are. They don't. I feel and like. the teachers are there. They're just kind of coasting. And the funny thing about teaching, and I, I mean, I went to school, uh, college to be an elementary school teacher, but the funny thing about teaching, I'm sure we could go around the room, everybody has their one or two teachers that yep. they can name specifically. We're like, for sure. they closed the book and actually gave a shit. For sure. But Everybody else just blends in. Facts. And how many teachers did we have along the way? Yeah. And only one, maybe two stand out. Yeah. Totally. It's crazy. And so like I had one teacher, Mr. Bushman, who was just a kid. I don't he really he was there in passing. But he had, you know, I was learning jujitsu after school. Uh, he was my biology teacher who I don't even remember learning any biology, <laughs> but he was teaching me things that were like more, um, appropriate to life than what was actually school was supposed to. But you should go to school excited to learn about the things you're interested in. For sure. Not going to school like, bro, I don't give a shit about anything that's going on. You're teaching me about matrices and like, uh, and like calculus. I remember being down with geometry because it like taught me how to play billiards. Yeah. Like I could apply it to like real shit in my yeah. life. And I, I read a quote recently about some guy who was talking about, most people are scared of mathematics because they're like, tell me which one's, uh, tell me which is higher, two thirds or three fifths. And the normal person would be like, I don't know, but if you explain that, if, if you explain it to an alcoholic, you know what I mean? It's two <laughs> bottles of alcohol between three people better than three alcohol, three bottles of alcohol between five people. He Wild. can tell you which one he, he wants. And so I don't know if I explained that right, but it's just, it's like the scene from Road Trip where they're on their way back and he's like, Oh, I, I have a Greek mythology or I have a myth or a philosophy final. And he gets with Ruben or whatever. He's like, I can teach, you know, Japanese to a monkey. I just need to figure out a way to connect that. Yes. And so he, he realizes that he's a WWF fan and he's like, you know, Vince McMahon is like the Socrates. We don't do, <laughs> we don't do that in school. We We're not trying man. to figure out because it's too, it's too hard. It's like every kid's learning differently. Some yeah. kids might be an audible learner. That's the thing with like production and music production now. It's like, 
Some kids can just watch YouTube and they got it. Yeah. Other kids, they need somebody there to walk them through. Yes. Like, you should try this and you should try this. And so everybody's learning differently. And I think when you throw a bunch, like 30, 30 kids in a room and it's then you tough. put somebody up in a, and they're all facing forward and you can't talk and like, it's just not an atmosphere that is conducive to actually learning something. Word. You're just like, how can I get that, not get an N? How can I make yeah. sure that I don't get an N for you? <laughs> yeah. you know? and, and on top of it, there's so much pressure to do well because of college. And yeah. Because yeah. Like, on top of wanting to uh, or struggling to do well in school, it's like if you don't do well in school, you're not going to get into college. And if you don't get right. into college, you're, fit- you're not going to get a job. Right. It's just like that weighs on you when you're like a teenager. And and like it's it's heavy, one, but it's also like that's a easy system for people to get behind of like that's success. Oh, okay, gonna get good grades. Good grades equals success. That's an easy system to say, okay, I understand that. So I'm gonna have to go and get good grades. But then you're like, when I had to tell my my teacher, so funny, I, I don't wanna call I don't wanna call her out. I had a math teacher, an algebra two teacher who I just hated and I didn't want to learn from her. And I got a D in the class. And my dad was just like, what's wrong with you? I was like, dad, I just don't like my teacher. And he's just like, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Just like go and do these things. But I, I was like, this is real, man. I don't like my teacher. Like I don't want to learn from them. And I think that like that's important. Your relationship, who you're learning from. And Absolutely. Like, again, that's kind of a bratty thing to say. I don't like my teacher. I should just like shut up and learn. But like how she was going about teaching these these topics and, and not really like a, making herself available for one-on-one time and, and things of that nature. And you're just supposed to pick up on these ideas. And if you don't, then something's wrong with you. Like, of course, you're going to start to feel I f- like I, I'm I f- inferior. Yeah. And I feel like a teacher has that same ability as like one of our close friends to be like, look, bro. You could be good at this. Bro, like, just keep at it. So many people have a story of like, if it's not a parent or if it's not a friend, it's probably a teacher along the way. Yeah. For sure. And like, dude, it's just a crazy time. I don't want to get too deep into it. But like, oh. now we're like, yo, let's give them guns and pay them $30,000 a year. It's just, just like, like, why we don't love and, and cultivate the illest teachers in the world is, is so beyond boggling to me, bro. They're so important. They're like, cause kids that go to school, and like high school, essentially, they're not hanging out with their parents. They're not hanging out with their siblings. Chances are they're in that, that, that age where they hate their siblings. Yeah. And they want to stay as far away from their mom as they possibly can. School becomes a place that is wildly important because those kids need to be there for eight hours a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like a job. And if there's any sort of structure or somebody there that they can confide in, there's a lot of issues that you can nip in the bud just by being a place where the teachers are cool, they are listening, they're open-minded, and they're not just like, this is the way it is. You got to mm-hmm. get an A or you're a failure. And look, I'm sure a lot of teachers probably feel the same way you do right now. Mm-hmm. You know, And yeah, we could go deep into this, and it's a much bigger issue. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's funding. Obviously, It's there's deep. Like, there's politics. There's a business, so many there's politics. The business of education. That there's exactly. so much crazy shit. Exactly. But I think pulling from what you're talking about, it's interesting to see your perspective of like, once I realized I could get a C and I wasn't going to get in trouble, I wasn't going to fail out and I can do this, then I'm, then I'm good. Yeah. Which is, I'm sure, a stance of a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Like, Not, you, also a place you don't want to like hang out for the rest of your life. No. Because mediocrity and like getting a C for the rest of your life and everything that you do. Right. Well, that was, one thing I was going to ask from that, I'm like, okay, so you, know, you put in this type of effort towards school mm-hmm. like okay this this is my ceiling this is where i'm gonna go mm-hmm. what did you do 
to dive into your best self during that time or push those things that did motivate you during that time? Yeah, I think it was, um, well, I want to say friendships for sure, but I think it was um, writing. Uh, so you, so you rhymes. Know. Okay, so did, did you feel like a shift happened of like, okay, I'm going to put real time and focus into this? You know what? It's crazy. I don't know if I ever felt like I'm going to put real time and focus mm. into this um, because I kind of just did it mm-hmm. on the side. You know, I mean, so like, as, like a, oh, as a I'm hobby. I'm an aspiring rapper. I'm going to do right. this. I'm going to go all in. Almost yeah. like an athlete's like, yo, yeah. football. Too that, good. that never happened. That never happened for me. Um, uh, and I'm, you know, for better or for worse, because I feel like for the most part, I got plucked off just natural ability. No, nothing that I had to work overly hard for. Uh, that's probably white privilege right there. You know what I mean? Just like being able to be a white kid that was rapping and somebody came across my shit when I was 18 years old and 19 years old and were like, that's a commodity. Let's sell this. Because that's what I think was, that's what I think was the, the motivation behind me getting picked up was that I was marketable. Not because I was rapping that real shit, even though that's what gave me my real fans was getting up and rapping Just Listen and talking about open-mindedness and talking about you know the, the issues that I was actually about, but it was so much more about what I looked like. So you weren't mm. even really aspiring to be a rapper. No, man. I'm still not an insp- aspiring rapper. A lot of the stuff that is in my rap music, the stuff that still has me getting up out of bed and making rap music is like the relatability and themes and ideas and the conversation. Not so much like I'm a rap. Like the thing about I'm a rapper as an identity and me saying that being on my business card, so to speak, is it, it kind of messes with with me a little bit. Wow. Um, You know, because I feel like I've got so much more going on. And when I say that I'm a rapper, people have uh, expectations of how I'm supposed to behave or, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. And, um, for me, you know, I'm, you know, not to fast forward too far ahead, but I'm working on something so outside of the rap world. Mm-hmm. Probably the only stuff that's like, uh, influence is like lyrically, it's still kind of edgy. And, but you know, they kind of like shut rap music down with like after Tupac, they're like, this is getting too powerful. <laughs> we got to fuck you. this up somehow. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> we get like, let's fuck this up because rap music is wildly powerful. And I've stayed in it for those reasons, the communication, mm-hmm. the spreading of ideas, the spreading of thoughts. That's the stuff when I, nowadays with the internet, that I can put something out that's kind of my ideas and the thoughts that I've been having and, and people go, I really relate to that. I've been thinking about that too. That to me is like, hell yeah, I'm in. Mm -hmm. It's not so much, hey, we think you're cute. I'm sure so many people think you're like this aspiring white rapper. Sure. Fucking making a song about college and let's fucking do this, Mm -hmm. right? And in your mind, you're like, I'm doing this for fun and I want to be an elementary school teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's eerily similar, actually, when you think about it, the elementary school and rapping. But like even then we talk about the influences in our life like when the the college record broke 
it wasn't like, hey, let's make a college record because that's what we can sell. It was like, hey, this college record happened because this is who we are. Mm -hmm. It's like hanging out with Boyder and Brain and my boy Shannon was down. We were like hanging out in Atlanta being 20-year-old kids, 21-year-old kids. So that naturally comes from it. And then like things got weird when it became marketed and promoted. Wow. Just going back real quick, talk about that pluck that you It was a pluck. And so we got through high school. It was pretty tame. High school was tame was able to have sex, you know what I mean? That was tight, like, that was good. Smoke some pot, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, thank you. High school, high school was, <laughs> high school was a success, you know? Um, and then, uh, college comes around and, you know, I, it's funny because, you know, you're supposed to go to college for something, right? And I still think a lot of kids have no idea who they are. Yeah. College is crazy and like, it's a crazy concept and a crazy thought. And it's funny that, you know, a lot of people associate me with I Love College because I would be the first person to laugh at people who, like, was like, dude, I went to school, accumulated $80,000 of student loan, and I'm not losing, and I'm not using my degree. Like, <laughs> that's a drag, man, because college is absolutely a business. For um, sure. And I didn't know that, for sure. I, I mean, I'm lucky enough that I've had some conversations that were like, yo, elementary schools, elementary school teaching, one, I would get a job right out of high school, I mean, right out of college, because there's no male elementary school teachers. Like it would just be like, yo, we'll hire you. You're, you're a rare bird. Um, but other than I wasn't really thinking about that stuff. It was just kind of like kids are tight. They're super honest. Like we were talking about and like they're down to just like learn like strangely enough, like weird shit. Mm. Like the girl that I, that I hang out with and I love and adore, she always cracks, cracks jokes on me because she hates kids stories like i saw a cloud today and she's just like i don't care <laughs> me i'm like really like what was that cloud like you know what i mean let's talk about it yeah 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 i'm so down with those themes and i think so i kind of naturally gravitated towards just children and like how cool they are and how honest they are and i'd rather hang out with like you know five-year-olds then hang out with a bunch of like jaded, shitty 30 year olds. For sure. Just like talking about how much the world sucks and everything's doomed. <laughs> Give me the five year olds who are like, look at these, look at the sand <laughs> and the waves. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, it's true. So, uh, you know, with that being said, the pluck was real. I went to Westchester and it was on and off because by that time, uh, shout out to my sister. I was rapping in high school. She thought I was pretty good. She kind of gave me a nod and she passed it along to one of her high school friends um, who was in the music industry, so to speak, or, or was aspiring to be in the music industry. And he helped get me into like real studios in Philadelphia, uh, recording at the, with the Roots and like at the Roots studio and meeting the Dice Raws of the world. And Dice Raw. Yeah. Meeting all these guys who are just like, you know, the James Poisers and, and being, being around that scene. Wow. Legendary. And, and during that time. Oh, bro. Like it, it was Larry Gold's studio and Larry, for people that don't know, Larry Gold was throwing strings on joints like The Boy Is Mine. Like, oh, like wow. enormous records. So and during you know, that time. During that time dude crazy so i was around that like 17 18 19 years old just kind of like being this like super dorky white kid just like observing all this 
and uh, but got enough competent recordings down. Nothing that changed the world, but uh, definitely recordings that allowed me to get a little bit more comfortable behind a microphone, uh, get that recording process under my belt mm-hmm. in a bigger studio with people who are, who I would call professionals. Yeah, uh, I go to Westchester, and it's just like I'm in Westchester chilling, you know, telling, taking elementary school classes, and um, again having sex, smoking pot, and. Uh, I was, you know, I'd reverted back to more of a like a just acid pro and a microphone. And I didn't have my buddy Brian Sellers, who was with me in high school. I didn't have him anymore. I was kind of on my own. So I reverted back to what I knew what was going on, just taking beats off the Internet. And so I instead of delving into production or anything, this is around the time MySpace is cracking. Facebook yeah. wasn't even there yet. This wow. Is, this is before Facebook. Um, and so, and, and at the time, MySpace was huge for music. Yeah, really. I mean, you had you know three, three to five. I remember even the ability to put more than one song on your MySpace when that got added. Oh, it was man, originally right. you could just do your song, and I was like Marvin Gaye, Trouble Man. You know what I mean <laughs> on my page for whatever reason. I don't know. And then, and then you had the opportunity to put like three or three to four or five on a music page. That little player. Yeah, it was big. Set it off. It was yeah. big, and uh, dude, I all I had was a recording uh, about Family Man, uh, called Family Man, over a Puff Daddy. It was oh man, I was a joint with him and CeeLo. I forget the name of it. Uh, I can look it up while I talk about it um, because it wasn't a big joint, but it was a. It was, I think it was a Kanye beat, um, uh, and um, I wrote about coming from a, a good family, and I put it up on my MySpace and. A dude by the name of Scooter Braun comes across Family Man. Wow. And if anybody knows Scooter well, he has a tattoo of family across his wrist. Uh, and he, he says like, you know, he was intrigued. He was like a white kid rapping about coming from a good family. This is kind of rare. Cause at the time, Eminem's the biggest act out yep. and he's talking about coming from a completely dysfunctional place mm. um so i guess he was intrigued by the juxtaposition of like well here's a white kid talking about like thank my sisters and thank my parents for being supportive and my 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 dad is my dad is still here and my my mom is super cool mm. um let me see if i can find this uh shoot uh everything i love maybe let's see um Let's see. But yeah, so that happened and he this beat, bro. Wild. But no one's ever heard this. This what how was this like? This is the world at my sneakers, gold pieces molded with Jesus features. Give streets the fever from the way I spit the ether. Came on the scene at nineteen, a gritty fiend for money. Alright, so now let me pull up this let me pull up this shit. And it's like crazy because even like my voice and like how I was utilizing, even understanding your voice as an instrument. Um, damn, I don't even know. Like, not many people have heard this joint, but it's all talking about coming from, coming from a, a good fam. Let's see. Yeah, and like, dude, I remember finding these. The uh. whole thing was like, let me find joints. Yeah. I got this call the other night from my sister, right? 
25, turning 26 in July. Get your shit together, let's get rich already. My mother's a visionary. Father's realistic, never wasting time. He's Mr. Patient. Wow. Wasn't for my family, baby. I'll be in a ditch to cane, but me. I do it with my noodle, bro. Do it, yo. Let me live my But I was like messing with my voice, you know what I mean? Prenuptial is not enough money To provide a life for me It's my homies, my homies I'ma know that they've been there for me I hope you understand it This is mandatory Damage if it wasn't for my parents, damn it You know what I mean? So like here wow. Basically everything we've been talking about by the Yeah, way, so crazy That's insane So, yeah, I mean, so Yeah, so like it goes a little bit longer, but he hears that, put it on MySpace, and he's like, what's up? And we got in a conversation about uh, music just over, um, you know, the long story short is uh, Tom Boyd, who has been wild. Uh, talk about somebody who is uh, an angel and somebody who is very uh, positive and encouraging along the path. Tom Boyd, everyone, a lot of the my fans and friends know him as Boyder, but uh, Tom Boyd is just the guy. He is somebody that is just a, a light of of sunbeam that is just like, you can do this. You got this. And so he was a big fan of the stuff that I was doing. He was more in, uh, interested in like, I did a joint over uh, the game, a, a game beat, a song that didn't get a lot of love, but it was, I, I was talking about like, yo, like, this part, like working part time and going to school and all, this doesn't add up to me. Like, this is a weird hustle. Where is this going to end? And, you know, Boyd really related to that. And we became friends, you know, just hanging out in Westchester. He ended up moving to Atlanta with me, but he also put his name on my fan club on Facebook. So Scooter, that was the only, only uh, way to get a hold of me at that time. And so Scooter calls Boyd. And this is like right after. We had just thrown like kind of a, a little banger of a house party. We thought it was the cops because Scooter is like a dude who's pretty direct. He's like, tell me everything you know about Asher Roth. And Boyd's like, yeah, right, dog. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and so Scooter calls back and he's like, no, I'm dead serious. This is a very important phone call for, I, I'm pretty sure that he said this is the most important phone call of your boy's life. Just broken up with a girlfriend at the time. Boyd runs over like, I thought someone got shot. <laughs> and um and he was real panicky and he kind of put me on the phone with this dude and we had a, a lot uh in t- uh, in common as far as just where we were we were kind of coming from perspective wise and we spoke for a while and that was it i didn't hear from him for a really long time then i ended up seeing borat this is when borat just came out <laughs> and so i'm watching borat yeah. and what i loved about this is that this dude had no fear of further consequences he was just doing his thing, and he didn't care what the consequences yes. were. Shout Dude, out so to shout Borat, out to Borat. Sure. So I, uh, something happened. Or <laughs> so, no, shout out to Borat for yeah. sure. For sure. Real, real deal. Sasha Baron Cohen, <laughs> big influence. 
So for me, uh, I, I something happened. Just something went off and was just like, yo, text this dude. And I remember texting him. I said, trust your gut. Let's make some moves. He calls me back immediately. He's like, if you can get yourself down to Atlanta, I can get you in front of people. And that was it. I mean, I, I'm, I can't remember if it was my $500 that I'd honestly saved from uh, waiting tables at Kildare's or if my pops had to help me plug me with 500 bucks. Yeah. But the last 500 bucks in my account I took and I flew myself down to Atlanta. Uh, this is during my, I think, my sophomore year of college. And... Um, Met with Scooter, and that led to meeting with Shaka Zulu, who's ludicrous and disturbing the peace. And that led to meeting with Tom Wiley of Warner Brothers, and eventually with Steve Rifkin, who was the one who believed in Scooter first and also believed in me. It was like, you guys, good luck. I'll give you, I'll give you a uh, an opportunity, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I had no real recordings besides this stuff, like Family Man. I had some ideas, but it wasn't like I got signed off a demo. Or anything like this. I, I, I really truly believe that I got signed off of one scooter being a hustler. Yeah. And two, just my charisma of like, you know, singing ain't too proud to beg at Steve Rifkin's employee dinner when I just happened to be there, you know? <laughs> uh, but man, it, it really goes to the theme of like how you're going to acclimate yourself as the new kid. Yeah. Here sure. I am sitting at a dinner table and like, you know, I'm not the loudest. I'm kind of just watching. And, uh, Steve Rifkin's having his annual, uh, it wasn't loud music. This was SRC. So this is when Akon is Wild. huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lady Gaga's just coming onto the scene under Akon. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's that time. And, um, yeah, so things were good and they're having their holiday party and I'm just sitting there. Uh, one, because Steve wanted Scooter to run his, uh, I, I guess like, um, his, um, marketing department or yeah. something like that. And so he brought me down as like, kind of like, yeah, I'll take the meeting with you, Steve, if you meet with this kid, Asher. So dude, huge shout out to Scooter. Cause again, like, you know, he's gone on to do stuff that's like, you know, next level. But initially, outside of Boyd, early on, a really big, hey, man, you're good. You should keep going. And so shout out to Scooter for being a guy that, like, in my early career, really, really believed in me. Wow. How was that for you with all this happening so fast and just kind of riding that wave fearlessly? Well, I think it was all good because everybody was new. Like, this was before Scooter was Scooter. So Scooter was just some 25-year-old hustler in in Atlanta that had left Emory. So we were all friends. Mm -hmm. And so if I think that if I would have signed to, like, an immediate label or, like, Def Jam and Russell Simmons, and it's no knock on Steve. Steve's the guy. Uh, But, like, even even then, people still equate Wu-Tang Clan to RZA. They don't necessarily equate it to Rich Isaacson and uh, Steve Rifkin. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they were, they were still, as much as they were like the guys in New York and like totally on the scene, they weren't uh, icons like Russell Simmons were and Rick Rubens, like where that, that's what like the first thing you thought of when you thought of rap music. Mm-hmm. Although Steve Rifkin is arguably just as, if not more influential, depending on what you listen to. For sure. So I didn't have these weird expectations of like, damn, I'm so out of my league. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm just hanging out with my homies making rap music. And that's why you got something like an I Love College. Mm-hmm. That was just so, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Like this, that was not a part. I mean, granted, thank you, Kanye West and things like that, that I think helped the rap audience make me relatable. Like when I come on rapping about college in flip flops. 
it's not the most far left thing of all time, but it was still and is like still fairly new. It was like this is well, not. It's also serious though. Like, and that's, yeah, that's kind of what I want want to touch on more is the fact that what you you were doing more is like just because you you enjoyed doing it and you were mm-hmm. rapping, you were good at it, but you didn't necessarily aspire to be a rapper mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like that. You know, you were want to be a school teacher. And this yeah, is just something you did. Now it's like, oh damn, I'm I'm a I'm a rapper. Like almost like overnight, it's like, yo, this man, is- it's so funny because if you listen to the Greenhouse Effect Volume One, yeah, um, there's moments in there. Uh, I think it's uh, right before, humans irk me. Right, uh, like right around that, I was like, oh, that's the best. I might have been, uh, it might have been Roth Boys, where I'm like, that's the best verse of 2000, 000, uh, and I'm not even a rapper. Like I was still trying to convince myself that I was a rapper at that's that time. Crazy. Uh, and Greenhouse Effect was making waves. Like that was what people were like, yo, this dude's dope. And, and like, uh, but at that time, I'm still in the process from an identity standpoint being like, you belong here. Like do your thing. Because if anything, the Greenhouse Effect, the success of Greenhouse Effect and I Love College fucked everything up because it brought me into a place where I was like, started to operate maybe from a place of fear was like yo do i belong here i'm successful like i'm getting paid for this shit like i haven't earned my stripes because all of these other people super quick yeah like you would read a lot of this other stuff and like the scene back in the day like you know we're having the internet for the first time so like we were the first uh kind of wave of artists that are getting love off of some of the first work that they're doing whereas early hip-hop shit like these motherfuckers are working for 10, 15 years before that anybody says, Hey, good job. For sure. And it's a serious hustle. And so like now we have the internet and you're going to tell me I don't have to sell CDs out of the, the, the back of my whip in Houston. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> for real to get on. Like we were able to be in a lot of spaces at once and we're kind of, you know, myself, Cuddy, um, Lupe Fiasco, maybe, uh, maybe not, not so much him. He still had like editorial and he, I think he's still, but like, we were the the cool kids. Like we were a, an initial wave of rap that was happening on the internet, mm-hmm. not necessarily happening in the streets, right in front, like right on the corner. Yeah. What was that like for you, kind of battling that? I guess quick ascent. Yeah. And I'm, also just like complete. I don't want to say disarray, but just like lack of foundation, dude, confidence wise. Fu- it messed with me, man. It was because like, it's crazy because you hear here? so many people in this industry being like, you have to know yourself right before you rise up and like hear all sure. these different voices. Because if you don't, or if you don't have the team around you, you'll be susceptible to all these things and it'll just be crash and burn. Well, who name one? you know, child actor that like survived that gauntlet. I fucking feel you, bro. You know, more often than not, those child actors are getting picked apart. Yeah. And it's like, so for me, I'm lucky because I was just old enough again because the success happened and it happened fairly quickly. Uh, the ascent, so to speak, it kind of left me feeling like, do I, do I deserve this? Do I belong here? Like that's as big as a killer as like fucking, that's if not worse. Yeah, but like, like you're getting all this acclaim and being like, wait, what if I'm not that good, dude? Bro, I mean, like <laughs> it could. It's not only that. You also don't want to play yourself, yeah. where you're out here thinking you're that dope for real. And just because you're getting, uh, you're rewarded maybe monetarily, and you have some editorial stuff, and pe- you're in magazines and stuff, but you're playing yourself because you're whack as fuck. <laughs> and like that was one thing where I was like, what's going on here? And I think that that's kind of another checkpoint. When and not only that, like not for nothing, we're dealing with 
you know, Scooter's starting to become Scooter, and he has Justin Bieber now. And now I'm suddenly a kid with uh, with a multi platinum single, but also somebody who's like, what's really going on here? Because mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give you an I Love College too. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna give you a cheesy radio song just to make this as easy as it goes. Like I was essentially a difficult artist. And so if you notice, my next move after Sleep in the Bread Isle was seared foie gras with quince and cranberry mm-hmm. and that is like rizza beats dilla beats uh early pharrell joints and i remember peter rosenberg being like this would be the hottest mixtape of the year if anybody could know how to pronounce it and like <laughs> he was like that's where you <laughs> fucked up you like the title you fucked up on the title but that meant so much at the time because i was now i was just old enough to be able to say like nah i'm gonna do me and detrimental or not, it's led me to an amazing place. But like at that time, I was considered difficult. Mm. Now, this is around the same time that B.O.B. and I are doing Fuck the Money. And I'm showing signs. Now, if we're talking kids, I'm showing signs of rebellion. You know what I mean? And Scooter coming up as a manager is being like, this dude's being difficult. You know, and I'm going to I'm going to work on my golden, the younger, the younger kid. And it's funny, I mean, I'm sure if he was here, he'd tell you the same thing, is that like, you kind of mess up on the first kid, you know, and you make some mistakes. And he was able to apply that to Justin, some of the mistakes that he had with me. But again, I was just old enough to be able to say, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm going to go over here. Yeah. Whereas not not saying that Justin's not, but he was young. He got cast into it, you know, 13. For sure. 14. And we're, we're talking about that natural progression that I had to kind of grow up. Um, and I still had my own anxieties and my own fears that were debilitating. But like, I know I wasn't in a place at 14 to be able to say, I'm not comfortable with this. For sure. Hold up. Mm. For of sure. Of course, you're just going to go, yeah, whatever's making everybody happy. Yeah. Is this making y'all happy? Like, I just want to make y'all happy. Yeah. And like, by the time 22, 23 rolls around, 24. Shout out to the Yeah. The sirens always come when some like just bombs being dropped. Yeah, no. But by the time 24 rolls around, I'm just old enough to be like, okay, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want this thing to look like? And the, that unplug, the unplug from the mainstream has, and it's still going on. Uh, how, how, yeah. wh- how was that for you in terms of not only navigating those waters, mm-hmm. but like, I want to say it's like trying to find yourself in the depths of hell. Mm. You know yeah, saying? like in we the, also in, getting attention in, for all the in, wrong reasons. In the fucking we'll like, you got it in in the depths of like the matrix is hell though. Yeah, you feel me? Because it's coming at warp speed. You feel me? Yeah, man. I mean, to your to your point about warp speed is the fucking internet was involved. I feel you, bro. And the literal, the literal matrix, dude. The internet is involved, and it's large and in charge because <laughs> I. Yo, the internet is is now has arrived. But whereas before, I think it was just kind of like chat rooms and AOL and like yeah. it was cute. You know what I mean? Maybe a website Message here and there. boards here. But this and like there. the dot com boom is happening. Like, it's, it's it's the internet is 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 now running running this shit. And I didn't know, but you know now you know with again nowadays it's so different because kids are like you know if you have a million views on a on a video that ain't shit. No, nothing <laughs> for real. 
That's crazy. Yeah. For real. You know how you know how messed up our expectations are if that's the case? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like uh you know the internet's involved and now now kids are like I'm just going to put my joint on SoundCloud and I'm going to blow up. Mm. Whereas before, you know, that wasn't the case at all. You're just kind of trying to share your music. It yeah. wasn't like, yo, this is going this is I'm talking to the world. Yeah. You were just talking to, you know, and you're having everything thrown at you at warp speed, like expectation and possibility and market yourself this way and you got a fucking lane this way and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like to have it come so fast at you, right? But to also, I feel like this is one of the things with with a cat like yourself that also has a head on their shoulders, mm-hmm. right? The balance and 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 kind of the struggle between... You know, I feel like during this time in which we're speaking on, it's it's a fucking whirlwind of who am I, mm-hmm. what do I stand for, mm-hmm. and what does this all mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying? And like, so this is early twenties, just for listeners. You yeah, know what I'm we're 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 in early twenties. Right? Yeah, yeah. And what? So what was that? struggle for you like or or what was that search for you like in in the the heat of that moment where everything around you is kind of like go at warp speed but you're like hold on bro like internally you're like hold on bro like the way that this side wants me to do it this side wants me to do it and i want myself to do it mm-hmm. are completely polar opposite yeah and like i gotta balance this but what the fuck is balance at this point right what what was that like for you and and what was like really like what was going through your mind in terms of trying to harness all that in like it it, it had to be fucking impossible yeah i mean i don't think a majority of young uh, it's this is a young man's game it's a young man's sport for sure sort of in a way whereas like if you're 18 19 20 21 and you kind of have that ignorance is bliss it's probably a beautiful thing because you just surrender to the warp speed and you're just everywhere at once but when you get older and like you know you say you drink and partake and stuff and suddenly you're waking up a little bit later and it hurts a little bit more like (laughs) that shit's real you start to go like yo how long is this gonna last and so like you know the the environments that I were being placed in studio sessions starting at two a.m. Um, these are toxic environments, and not in the not in so much of a negative way. Yeah, but there's just like no way you can sustain that. For sure, I was just not, I'm just I don't work best from let's start at eleven o'clock at night and go until six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, or you know shows. Where you're sleep, you know, sleeping on a tour bus for six months out of the year, uh, and not getting quality. You're not, you're not living a quality life. Yeah. The food that you're eating is junk. Um, that, that's available to you. And I think that that kind of was, I was in a place where I was like, this is fun, but I just remember kind of being like, this is tough. Like, this is tough. Like, this is not something that I just want to surrender my life over to, you know, being on the road all the time. And uh, it wasn't so much like that it was hard work. It was more that I just started to see like the important relationships to me getting strained and like to take it back to like relationships and friendships are really important to me. Mm-hmm. And the important people in my life, I felt that I was starting to get distanced from. And my life was going in a different direction. And I remember breaking up with the girlfriend that I was in in, uh, when I was living in New York and things were happening because I was like, this isn't my life. You know what I mean? This Mm. isn't who I am. This isn't, these aren't my friends. 
uh, this isn't my life. And I just kind of packed a bag and dipped. Mm. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I don't really have like how I was handling it because it just kind of happens. It was just happening. And I think a lot of the time I was watching something uh, recently where I really related to what he was talking about, where it's just like a lot of the time you just let things happen to you, even if it doesn't feel good. You're just kind of like, this is happening and this is going to, but like, as you get older, well, for me anyway, I kind of speak up a little bit more about like, I'm not really feeling this right now yeah. instead of just let it happen to me. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think not to like completely go off center, but that goes into some of like the Me Too movement and shit like that where girls and women uh, were, would have a tough time saying, I'm not really feeling this right now. This is making me really uncomfortable. For sure. For whatever reason. They didn't want to piss off somebody or they want, you know, the, the path of least resistance. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I relate to that because I was going through shit that was happening so fast to me and it was happening. And at the time... Uh, it wasn't that I was uncomfortable, but when it happened, when I had a I had a moment to say, I'm not really super comfortable where this is going. Mm-hmm. And I started to ask like why and how and who and what, and there weren't really answers for those questions. And so I just, I, I don't think it was a selfish thing. I don't think I'm difficult to work with. I just don't mind driving. Like at a road trip, I'm down to be behind the wheel for four hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily need to be in the passenger seat or, you know, on my phone in the back seat the whole time, not looking where we're going. Mm. I'm kind of down with like, yo, where are we going? How long is it going to take to get there? Yeah. Cool. Good to know. What are we passing by on yeah, the way? Yeah. Like, is there anywhere where we can stop? <laughs> yeah. are there cool, you know what I mean? Are there any large dinosaurs that we can go to? Um, so it's just like, I think when I started to, to want to know where we were going and how long it was going to take to get there, and there weren't really necessary any answers to that questions. That's when I started to say, yo, can I drive? Like, how about I drive? And, you know, I didn't have answers to those questions, but at least that I was behind the wheel. And because I was behind the wheel, I got to see the road and I got to see what I was passing and where I was. And uh, not to be too metaphorical about it, but it was just like, it was kind of the scenic route. I got lost a couple times. I took a wrong left, you know, and I took a wrong, I took a wrong right or, you know, uh, freaked out because it didn't look familiar. So I turned around and like different things like that, which is just life shit. And that's it's human totally nature. Cool. Bro. Yeah. And, and it's interesting on a couple, on a couple points. One, you had a very unique situation of seeing that amount and level of success so fast literally like boom boom dude totally that's that's a very unique thing for absolutely through and it sounds like you're you know when you're talking about like the scenic route in these wrong terms uh wrong turns those are things people go to like before that that level absolutely it's like you kind of uh flip it almost it's like you're you're now going through phases and things that maybe you probably should have got in any other one's case would have happened before. Absolutely. And that, that really would have helped with, do I deserve this? Am I supposed to be here? Because if I've gone through situation. it, yeah, because yeah. I can be like, hell yeah, I earned this. Whereas yeah. a part of me, just being who I am as a person, I was like, dog, this came so fast, so easily. Like, I don't know if, I, if I'm supposed to be here. Well, it's like you're almost detached from it. You're right. Almost like, it, it sounds like you're almost a character playing yourself. Sure. In, in that scenario because you're just there for the ride that's so fast and you don't even know where it's going. Absolutely, man. And on top of that, I want to bring it back to your identity in that. 
you know, in and that's kind of why, why I bring up like being almost a character of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, who the fuck are you? Like, right. You're this I love college kid, mm-hmm. which from a song that you just were like, yeah, it, this is just a song became now an identity, identity. that was driving you mm-hmm. while you, Asher, was in the back seat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. What was that like in, in, in terms of like Shit. that almost internal battle? Oh, man, it was, I mean, I ran from it for a, for a while. Mm. I remember my mom being pissed. She was like, this isn't my son. You know what I mean? And like certain expectations on how I was supposed to behave and like chugging beer. You know what I mean? Just like, Asher's here. Shoot, let's shotgun a beer. I'm like, what? The guy who's an aspiring elementary yeah, yeah, school yeah, teacher. Right, for real. Know? Yeah, yeah. And you know, like uh, people asking me what, what fraternity I was in or anything like that. Just just because they heard like and I wasn't in a fraternity yeah. but like those were the expectations or the assumptions that were the case of how I lived my life but uh man what was that like yeah I mean it was it was it was a balance it was it was how do I slowly introduce who I really am? I mean like it's again like I'm down to shotgun a beer let's do that you know but a lot of the stuff and like let's smoke a joint for sure but a lot of my identity of who I was was what's the conversation that takes place um after that happens that's Ooh. where a lot of like who asher roth really is that's where that is that's where i lie and i hang out but a lot of people when you're dealing with business and stuff they don't have time for that they only have time for the shotgunning of the beer uh <laughs> and so like how am i supposed to introduce who i am as a person when i'm this more of a dialogue that goes up and down and left and right and they only you have what a fi- what do they call it like a 15 second elevator pitch or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. and i couldn't really put myself into that i never really got myself down to here here's my identity i'm a rapper i'm a you know a a, a brother and a a, a a a white kid from morris or whatever it is you know however people classify themselves and you know not to skip too far ahead but like i struggle with that now because uh, a rapper as from an identity standpoint identifying myself as a rapper never really was like yeah that's it and so here I am now I always talk about how man if I had a, like a, a job that was like a psychologist or a, a physical therapist or a lawyer like those are really easy ways to like identify what to identify yourself with and because of my uh warp speed move into entertainment and the insecurities that i have in myself and everything else my identity to myself has always been like who am i well i mean we have just as people we have many different sides and and i think um it's more common for people to identify themselves with what they do Right, right. Of Just course, like their profession. That's like easy to go number one. Easy but for if sure. If you really break it down, it's totally fine to have all different parts of who you are. For me, there's a serious part. There's a business part. Mm-hmm. There's a part that's gonna play bass with my shirt off in front of people, mm-hmm. and there's a part that's gonna love my wife. Totally. There, you know, I'm gonna go to a Passover service Kibbutz. and take it with my grandmother, and then I'm gonna be here on this podcast. Like, right. There's different sides to all of us, and they're all embracing. What's interesting about kind of where, where you were at that time was like this rapper I love college kid was exclusive mm-hmm. your identity and didn't even give a chance for anything to be else introduced mm-hmm. and as embracing of that side of who you are 
that you were. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And everything outside of that was straying away from the core, which wasn't really even the core. Hmm. Yeah, and that's where I feel like your rebellion may have begun to come from. It wasn't like... It's not even like running away from that college kid because mm-hmm. that's still just a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. It's just like, give me a voice for all these other things that I am. Right. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I remember, man, being told, shave my face, cut my hair. You know? Yeah. You need to appeal to 13-year-old kids. This is like verbatim what was told to me. And my, by this time, I'm like, you know, 24, 25 years old. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. growing up. I'm becoming a young adult. And uh, so, you know, the hair starts to get long. The beard starts to grow a little bit. You know, this has got to get up, probably. The Roth EP, where I'm like the dude, so to speak. (laughs) And we shot that. And that's really amazing that you'd say that because, like, yeah, I mean, I still kind of am struggling with... Here's where Neptune comes in. You know what I mean? Where Neptune is kind of like, (laughs) you know, throwing a kind of like... You know, I'm I'm kind of shape-shifting and doing different things. And people can't really peg me for who I am now. Sure. Because they thought they had me completely figured out. Asher Roth. Oh, that's that I Love College kid. But since then, I've started to kind of show different elements of myself. And now I think we're at a point where people are like, I'm not really sure who Asher is. Which mm. is actually low-key kind of detrimental to business. Mm. Because from For a business sure. standpoint, if I'm just the Isle of College kid, people know exactly how to cast me. People know what to book me for. It's easy. Yeah. And now that I'm kind of like, you know, Asher Roth, the person or the artist or whatever you want to classify it as, um, business has essentially slowed down. Um, so it's it's been and for me, when business slows down because I'm introducing more truer elements of myself, I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know what I mean? Like, what's, is, is it something that I'm doing? For sure. Am I at fault? Um, and then, you know, comparing and contrasting and everything else that comes with it. It's like going into this next phase. Was it difficult to almost sacrifice the business? Like, were you conscious of that? Were you conscious of, hey, th- this rebellion that I'm doing, this, this thing that I'm chasing, this new, Id- like, whatever you were going through at that moment after I love college and, transforming into this trying to transform into this new person um was that hard to to kind of i don't want to almost say leave was, those opportunities i mean i don't want to say it was hard because i'd already started to implement myself i remember again peter rosenberg somebody who's always kind of been like a friend he's really got along with my older sister they're kind of the similar same age and like He's always been kind of a, a almost a older brother in a way. And I remember him being like, Asher, you got to stop turning down shows mm. because this money is not always going to be there and blah, blah, blah. And I was, and I was like, real. But that was, that was me implementing myself of like, I'm not going to do that because that's not really who I am. Mm. And I remember even in I Love College, they were trying to turn it into like uh, city-specific stuff to do like I Love Vegas and I Love Miami and all so I could get more radio play. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? So I was, I was starting to implement myself. And again, it wasn't, it, I don't want to say it was hard because it kind of was natural. It just felt like what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't necessarily doing something to be difficult or to be a dick or to like, 
like make other people's lives difficult. It was just like, nah, I'm driving right now and we're going to get pancakes. Like that's just what it is. We're going to get pancakes. Yeah. I wasn't listening to everybody else saying they want their English muffin or their McMuffin or whatever the fuck. I was like, no, nah, we're but getting Asher, pancakes. Asher, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're fucking up your success. Dude, you're and you're like ruining people, it, man. This is the only, like, Rod, like all those things have to be happening. But you know what's crazy is that I was okay with it. I think I would like to say this is because I had my, I came from a good family. I didn't come from like a, a, a home that they could, they could, I could replace them with something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that happened. I, I, I don't know this for facts, but I think the inter- entertainment industry, uh, I, I don't know necessarily with acting and stuff like that, but music and entertainment in general kind of like preys on like weak people who don't come from stable, stable places. And like, and like the entertainment world and drugs and like that validation that replaces their home environment mm, and like for sure. they kind of let people tell them who they are and that's why there's so many sad stories about mm. people just kind of crashing and burning and so i think i was able to implement myself because i had parents like my dad wanting more like write a song about somebody other than yourself mm-hmm. i mean he was somebody who helped me <laughs> Uh, start to move my songwriting on to like, you know, fast life and the stuff that I was doing in retro after <coughs> I'm writing about other people and, you know, him bringing up examples. That's one of my, my favorite life. records from me, hands down. But, you know, really cool. And also did it with the, one of the homies, Jacopo, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's still a lot of the stuff that I was doing always and forever. And which I continue to do is like, it's all homie shit. A lot of the cats that I'm working with are my friends. For sure. Uh, but outside of that first record, even though Oren held me the fuck down yeah. and like was my dude sonically, like it's not like I was hanging out with Carrie Hilson or sure. like hanging out with Jazzy Faye and something like that. <laughs> and the, my music got so much more honest and real when I was just making music with my friends and yeah. getting back to it. So, but to answer your question, I don't ever remember that being hard. Mm. I remember it being kind of like unaccepted, unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Like you're like what you're talking about. You're fucking up your career. Mm-hmm. You're going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I tried to compromise. They sent me young, wild and free. That was Khalifa joint. Mm-hmm. They sent me lost. I forget what the sunset Boulevard. I think a joint that like Sammy Adams ended up just like these super cheesy pop records that were like if you do this you'll be good uh somebody else lupe fiasco talks about what he had to go through with like lasers where they're like you know do these pop records the rest of the album of the years where my logic was fucking me up is because what i saw with i love college was that like there were other jams on that shit jams fallen la di da be by myself like there was joints on that album blunt cruising blunt cruising you know what i mean but the thing is people are only going to hear the songs that are pushed mainly the casual music fans the ones that are coming to your shows are typically oh i i've heard of this person let's go check them out at show uh, and everybody bugs out when the song that comes on is the one that everybody's heard. Mm-hmm. So for me, that logic didn't appeal to me. It was like, let me do these three songs that you guys are going to push but suck. And that's what people are going to know me for. And I'm going to have to perform these records for the rest of my life. Like, nah, that's not, I don't, I'm, I'm not down. And again, it wasn't so much me being a difficult artist. It was just like, this is what I was starting to implement myself as a young adult. And yeah. I was like, this is what I want this to feel like. And my affirmations, again, I don't want to skip too far ahead down the story. We can go chronologically, but where I am now, back home in Philadelphia with some of my really close friends, Boyd back in my life, 
the girl that I was seeing before, I like her and I had to break up. I, I moved to Atlanta. She ended up going to FIT school. Like, just wasn't the right time. She's back in my life. Some of the most positive influences that I look around and go, "Yo, this is my life. These are my people." And lightweight that this would not have been your life had you have chosen to just ride the wave and just keep going yeah and not go hold up one of the biggest things that like i truly respect you know through and through in your through line and just like where we are currently in your path is your honesty in knowing that these choices were conscious totally but your ability to also make these choices for the sake of your conscience. Sure. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Because, absolutely. you know, it's a scary thought to think about, you know, and even like when you think in this world of entertainment, how people get to certain points in their careers. I mean, at the end of the day, it's relative with like athletes, entertainers, all that, where it's like you've run through your career but you want to keep going. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes the nostalgia element. Mm -hmm. And like you're going here playing fucking the seven songs, the Mm ten songs that you were known for throughout your career and running around. But what is that like for the human psyche to be going around? It's like kind of like that Kurt Cobain mentality of like, I feel like I'm lying to you guys Mm -hmm. because I'm over here playing records that you're loving that I fucking hate. Right. So who the fuck am I? Right. Right. And at least you, and it it does go back to the sense of family. Like mm-hmm. you also did have a sense of identity of who you were. Mm-hmm. The, 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 I guess, internal conflict came about when it was like, let's package you and sell this as mm-hmm. you. And then seeing, okay, you're starting to bring the real you in in into the picture. I don't know if we can market this well, so let's just stick with this creation of you that we had. Like, just leave the real you in the back for a while. We'll get there later. And you know what's trippy is that if I had different experiences growing up, whereas when I actually started to speak and be my true, genuine self and didn't get accepted, I probably, as I would have grown up, would have rode the wave. Word. Anything to be accepted, right? Mm. Word. But because the experiences that I had in moving and being new kid mm. and all these where I was like, oh, people are like, oh, they, we like you, man. Keep going. I think those experiences allowed me <coughs> to kind of stand up for myself when it was time. Your voice and opinion matter. It does. And like, you know, I mean, not for nothing, not just me. I've read really inspiring quotes about uniqueness and your expression of your truth is only yours. And that's why it's so important for people to be themselves. And like, and it might not be accepted by everybody, but like, if you feel comfortable with who you are and you're expressing yourself, that's the most unique it can be. And, and it's, it's unique is a beautiful thing, man. People are searching for it. It's just a shame when we're validating it through these numbers that are fucking unobtainable. These views on YouTube as validation yeah. for who you are as a person, mm. those are unob- unobtainable numbers. You can't you can't put yourself up against that. And there's you can't no put level it up of against worth. What MySpace? How many friends did you have? You know, you can't. That shit is not real. And that's when I look around and I see the relate. I'm talking to you guys. I've known you guys for ten years. Yeah. 
That's fucking dope. For bro. real. Because in the entertainment world, it's like you got maybe a year or two with somebody and then they're out of your life. And yeah. you're, you, that you've, you've gone somewhere else. For sure. And there's something so cool to me about like here on earth with where we are in this body, me looking around and being like, I know this motherfucker, bro. That's my dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've real. shared experiences with this person. For real. Constantly meeting. Like, I love meeting new people and going to new places. Don't get me wrong. But having that sense of home, coming, like, being in L.A. for two weeks, working, doing writing sessions, and then being able to go home to a place that feels like home. Mm. Holy shit. And people, that you actually call home. Oh, my God, bro. I didn't have that for so long. Once I got plucked from Westchester... It was, yeah, it was about 10 years of just making of just making it up. Okay, this is my home now. Okay, you know, Atlanta's my home now. And, like, I'm lucky enough from being adaptable. I brought Boyd, Brain, Shannon with me. And then when I went to New York, you know, Boyd and Brain were starting to, like, phase out a little bit and get into their adult lives and, yeah. like, how they were going to figure out their own identities. And then, uh, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time, but, like, Okay, New York's my home now. And then I was like, nah, this ain't my home. This isn't my life. Moved back to Philly. Was in the Philly for a year. Wasn't being productive enough. Moved to LA. Mm. And so, like, this is Paps and Jazz now. Yeah. And so Paps and Jazz is is where I'm making a record that I think, after Seared Foie Gras uh, and Roth, which was, like, you know, just some raps with knots and, like, the homie. Yeah. Paps and jazz is, I think, the real moment where I'm implementing about, like, this is who I am. These are my insecurities. I listen to jazz music. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And what was so cool and so important about that record is that people were like, we fuck with this. Well, and I, I remember during that time, because here's a, a perspective. is like you've always been a fantastic MC. Like that's Factual. been undeniable. Now it was like it set the stage for that guy, that part of you, to arise and mm-hmm. come up and be like, "Yo, don't forget, Asher's like a, an amazing MC and can spit." And as much as it was about the content, I feel just like that MCness mm-hmm. that was so needed to almost validate because. Even from the Isle of College, it's like you're rapping, but you're you're more of a pop dude mm-hmm. in your in your perception, absolutely, than a rapper. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. it's like you're not even just like dealing with the Isle of College like theme and the the character of that, but it's like you're a rapper mm-hmm. and like that got forgotten somewhere along that line. Sure, was that aspect getting validated at the time too? I think so uh, for myself. And what was really cool about that is again, I was doing it with with friends. Chuck English did a lot of the production in the blended babies. So I think that helped me be, you know, doing it with friends and not just like, Hey, this is a hot producer. Get in with this. Cause we did sessions with Pharrell and nothing really came through. That was supposed to be for the second album. Mm. But because, you know, I'm, there's expectations. We're dealing with the success of I love college. I'm supposed to like build off of that. And <laughs> Paps and jazz, I think doing it with the homies recording in the broom closet allowed me to build off of something actually much more real. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, man, I mean, like, there was definitely validation of, I guess to that point, to, uh, to the point about earlier, was I was able to justify to myself at this point, that like, nah, fam, you belong here. Mm. You're good. Like, you got this. Whereas the early successes of I Love College and the mixtape, Greenhouse Effect, that Greenhouse Effect, uh, Asleep in the Bread Isle tandem was like, 
it was successful numerically, but me internally, what I was going through was like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. But by the time the seared foie gras with Paps and Jazz and the Rother, by that time, I was like, I kind of know what I kind of know who I am, and I kind of know what I'm what I'm what I'm down to do. Yeah. Uh, what was just fucking me up was the numerical validation, the fact mm. that I Love College had gone uh, double platinum, and you know, in the kitchen was struggling to get half a million views. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, in the kitchen is a banger. Like we're gonna be listening to this shit forever, <laughs> and it's like we made that shit in the kitchen, like. That's what was that's what was really tough <laughs> for, for me, real. you know? Yeah. Where you're starting to be like, what what is going on here? But that's those are huge moments cuz you're just like, I'm going to make the shit that I like. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, but it's tough, bro, cuz it's a it, it was I was in the business. I was in the music business. If you don't want to make jams, uh, if you don't want to make hit records that everyone's going to sing along to, then get the fuck out. Well, is there is there a way to bridge that gap, that's, though? Then that's what I think that I've been honing in on slowly because even at the beginning of this conversation, I think we were talking about social groups. Yeah. And I feel like I'm a bridge for that. Like for the kids who are super nerdy and can't defend themselves mm-hmm. and the kids that are just too cool for school, I'm like in between that where I can help that conversation. And I think that that's where my my value in entertainment and in specifically in the rap game lies is being somebody who can speak both languages and being somebody who can help bridge that gap between kids who hate rap music and only listen to hipster indie or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, Oh, you've never heard of this band. That's cause you suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, and then, and then the kids who like, you know, uh, only listen to MF doom or whoever, uh, and then the kids who just only listen to 21 Savage or, you know, whoever. So uh, that's where I feel like I, I, I just want to carve out a cool little lane. There's people who I uh, really am thankful they exist, like the tech nines of the world. For sure. That remind you that you can do this on a level that is respectable and also successful. You don't have to be a starving artist. Um, and... I was just willing to sa- I was willing to sacrifice it, man. I was willing to say I don't need to be doing like I don't have to do this if I don't if I'm not a top 40 artist, yeah. then I don't want to play. And there's I think, you know, maybe Kanye I think was that way. Kanye was like if I'm not number 1, I'm not doing this. So I'm going to be number 1 and he willed himself into that position. Whereas me, I'm like if I'm coming in number 6 in top 10, totally cool. <laughs> totally cool with six you know what i mean and that's like that kind of c shit you know what i mean like i'll just take the c you know and and not get in trouble but like bro like i'm in a place right now where i'm like you're i can you can pass me with all this bullshit because one two and three they catch a lot of bullshit but i can be number six be in healthy relationships have a home and still make money I'm kind of down with that. Oh, we're cool. I'm kind of down with that. I'm not. I'm not against it, but still trying to figure it out because, you know, I we talked about this off record a little bit. I'm not sure how much like if you've got to join somebody's team to be ultra successful. But Joe, you're someone along the way who's encouraged me. Like, yo, build your shit. Yeah. Do your DIY <coughs> shit, and it, it will pay off. And like that's 
Philly's been a huge city for me. Yeah. To go back home, Philly is a DIY city. Mm-hmm. Like get up and do it yourself. Yeah, and sure. and believe that you'll get the fruits of the labor of, of what you're asking for by doing the work. Whereas um I feel like the mainstream stuff is kind of like we'll do it all for you. Don't worry. We'll take yeah. care of the work and we'll make sure there's money in the bank. I think that was cool from when I was like 20 to 23. Right. But then when I started to be like, yo, yo, this is where is this going? I was like I was like, I'm not afraid of the work. Well, I th- and I belong here. And I think it goes back to like your experience of you've already kind of been through it, right? Yeah. So while you say, you know, do it yourself, it's not because like you haven't, you've seen everything. Yeah. And I also don't mean alone, by the way. No, no, yeah. for sure. It's, it's just more independent, kind of taking more control, in your words, driving. Yeah. Um, Being the true captain of your own ship. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel you can be an incredible asset to yourself because you've seen and literally been through so much at a very high level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On, on all ends, on the, on the business end, on the artist end, all the way from, from touring to having that big hit record and everything in between and going through your discovery of yourself and figuring out who you are in that and coming to a point now where you want to be more in control and that's only going to help this next chapter. We don't know what that's going to be, mm-hmm. but at least for now, and that's why I think you're, you know, as, as we continue to dive into your story and, and figure out your evolution in this, it's so interesting because in so many ways you're just starting. Yeah. Yeah. And Shit. in so many ways you've already been there. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's just that's like really this, just like crazy tug of war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's wild that that's been the fucking case from the onset, bro. <laughs> I totally feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. Yeah. That's my my feeling on the whole thing is that I'm just getting started. But yeah, man, we've been through a lot. I mean, yeah, but not to uh, go back too much, but it's you can't do it by yourself. And I think for me, a team has been a real thing for me. Yeah. Uh, who's, who's, who's riding out and, and what are we doing? But I don't want to think that I... I and trying to take control, so to speak. It wasn't so much of a control mm. issue. It wasn't so much I need to be in charge. It was just kind of like, again, with, with what art. What message are we pushing? Yeah, what are we doing here? Or just what are we knowing really what the fuck is even yeah, going on. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah. And what's what are our intentions? And I think setting intentions and goals and things for yourself of what you really truly want to accomplish. And, you know, some people are super down. You know, for instance, some people are super down with, like, having... Uh, multiple relationships in their lives and like you know hanging out hanging out late night and you know not being in uh a one monogamous relationship so i i knew that i wasn't that type of dude you know growing up with sisters and grow, raised by women i wasn't out here like disrespecting women you know what i mean uh, and just like for me it was it was i knew that one of my goals was to be in a in a healthy relationship with with someone who i can have a partnership with who has my back who knows how i get down and says yo you're being this way right now blah blah and potentially start a family and things those are important to me those are those are and were goals and um the the business and the route that i was going you know being on the road 200 days out of the year that doesn't support i mean monetarily it does there's money in the bank but you're not there for your your relationships Mm -hmm. like i was saying like i was getting pulled away from Mm -hmm. really important relationships in my life inspiring nurturing relationships in my life i wasn't around and uh 
I think from a control standpoint, it just was like, this is important to me. These relationships, these people are important to me. I would like them to be in my solar system. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to be the new kid every five seconds. You know what I mean? But yeah, man. So like, yeah, I I don't want to harp too much on it, but uh, it's just uh, all this that I've been doing, it's all come fairly naturally to me and just more so listening to myself, trusting myself. And and, uh, yeah, taking control for the better, not because I was fearful of failure. It was just yeah. like, I know where I want to go. This, These are some of my goals. I need to get over here. Not necessarily pinpoint, but like I need to be over here. I don't want to end up in the middle of nowhere. What does balance look like for you right now? Uh, home, a sense of home. That's the biggest thing because... Uh, you know, when we go out and we take a weekend just going down to Texas A&M or something like that and wilding out, you got to have a place where you can come back and recharge. Uh, this is manual labor, man. If anybody who gets in the entertainment industry from a performance standpoint and is, and is out here and doing it, it's grueling. It's, it's hard work. Performance is you exert a lot of yourself. So balance for me is having time to myself, being home, uh, and chilling, but then also having do being having work. So essentially, it's it's my girlfriend and it's my work and my creative. That to me is is my balance. I, w- I want to ask this question. I'll just ask it. Um, have you ever thought about quitting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I li- I live six blocks away from Temple University, and I'm just like, I should just go back to school and get my degree for teaching and go teach. But then I'm like, man, those I Love College jokes are going to fly. You know, so. Yeah, I um, mean, look, because yeah. I, I asked that just kind of like that. Um, more so because in thinking about, you know, doing something for yourself and, you know, like you said, with, with Paps and Jazz and, and kind of the road you've been on where you're getting, I think, some personal validation for yourself from asher to asher Mm -hmm. but you know maybe the the numbers aren't rolling in yeah and you're like okay why am i really doing this Mm -hmm. you know and and being faced directly with that question when those numbers don't roll in it's like why are you really doing this yeah and that's cool that's what i love about the diy shit is because if you're doing it diy and you're doing it for real you're doing it for the right reasons you're not doing it for the numbers and you're not doing it for the validation you're figuring a way to make it work and that's why i'm in such a cool place is because i'm always going to do my rap shit no matter what i'm gonna be it's just how i express myself yeah better on on ash wednesday i hadn't put anything else out i hadn't put out uh something in a while and i just was like let me communicate some of my shit to how I'm feeling right now. And I was, you know, touched on artificial intelligence <laughs> and some of the conversations that we just have smoking a joint upstairs. But I'm always going to communicate through rap music and just like, I don't necessarily like need it or or need it to be like, this is how I'm going to make a living. I guess, I don't know. I mean, I want it to. It's a luxury. Like, mm-hmm. thank God that it's that's the case. But I, I would prefer to make sure that my relationship with what I'm creating and why I'm doing it is healthy uh, than, than it being to, uh, that Kurt Cobain shit where I'm like, I hate these songs and mm. I'm performing. Like, because I, I just feel like you'd be like, I hate my life. Yeah. Whereas like... That's a deep trauma, bro. It's, dude, I mean, I can't imagine. I already was having enough anxiety 
I mean, again, talking about getting physically sick, like from the fear of like throwing up in public, I was probably getting physically sick, sick before like 60% of my shows. Wow. Early on. Really? Yeah, yeah. From yeah. anxiety. Anxiety. Just like, Fuck. just like sick, dry heaving, like backstage. So when I tell you I was plucked and casted into this, it almost seems like something bigger to like help me get over whatever the fuck I was projecting onto myself. I fucking feel you. Yeah, so like, and I, I'm sh- so much stronger now. Like, you put me in situations, I'm just like, what the fuck ever, dog. I, <laughs> I overcame some serious anxiety. Yeah. But it also, you know, again, I sympathize and I empathize with a lot of kids who are going through shit now because uh, the internet is, again, full-fledged and people are comparing and contrasting themselves through some of these numbers that, again, are unobtainable. Mm-hmm. And these numbers aren't rolling in. And like, you know, even something as stupid as who, who and how many people are looking at your Instagram story. For real. Like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? For real. Is that real? But, I, I mean, you know, with that being said, I'm in such a good place because it's just like, I'm not doing it for acceptance or numerical success. And hopefully, from a business standpoint, I can develop a strategy that is like consistent and you know, I can make money and, and it, it's and I can do this for a living. But that is a you're lucky. That's a luxury if that's the case. Yeah, bro. And I know that now. It's like ultimate gratitude. It's like before it was like, you know, it was expected. And so like that's where that meltdown I think would probably happen if you're expecting to make a living off of this. And then the numbers don't roll in. Which, but I'm not expecting to make a living off of this. I'm just like grateful I am. Which which is so crazy because it's like that perspective of like, man, you had it all. Right. right? And it's like, no, I had But did nothing. I? Yeah. yeah. Did and I have it all? what the fuck is right. what? Yeah, what is it all? And yeah. to who? But that's what I mean, bro. Like, so let's like the real shit to me. And when I talk about friendships and relationships and healthy friendships and mm. relationships, which are in turn a healthy relationship that you have with yourself. Yep. You know Bing. what I mean? That is like every, that's you have it all. You know what For I mean? For real. Like, and we were talking about it while we were grabbing tacos is there's not much difference between somebody who makes $120,000 a year and somebody who makes $500,000 a year. There's not much difference in their happiness. Now, granted, if you're making 14K a year or 30K, you're going to be bummed out. Life's a lot harder. For sure. You know what I mean? But if you're making decent money, you're making probably, if you can make above 75K and, you know, and have people and healthy relationships in your life, you're doing pretty good. Mm, and facts. it's, you know, it's real out here. But all I, you know, I, I, w- I would love to be able to say, yo, I make $50 million a year. I got three homes, like shit is chilling, whatever the fuck. But not um, at the sacrifice of, because cause you could have easily not, gone down that route. Not at the sacrifice of like, Healthy yeah, relationships. Yeah, but what the fuck is going into one of your seven homes when you don't even know who the fuck you are? Like, Bro, yeah. those those. I'm homes in my get... nine bedroom mansion and yeah. I have no fucking clue what yeah. I'm doing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm waking up being like trying to call friends to come over just to fucking numb myself with company. Numb myself with company, bro. You 100%. feel me? That's what that. You know how real is. that is, by the yeah. way. You know what you just said is so For real. real. I'm so cool with being alone, bro. I'm not haunted by like, I can chill and throw on the Sopranos yes. and just like relax. I can yes. read a book. 
You can also enjoy the company of your real friends. That, that's what self-love is. That is everything. Yeah. That is, that's that's the you, fucking beauty yeah, of this shit. That's the beauty of this shit. I'm going to jump across the table and yeah. give you a kiss on the <laughs> yeah. cheek, dog. Bro, because yo, people, <laughs> people can't be alone right For now. Real. Specifically right now. Bro, but we've right all now. gone through that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been like a young and, and like even like up to a couple years ago, like being like, why, why are all the homies hitting me to go right. out? Like, why don't y'all hit me to be right. like, what, what's good? But, like, it's so crazy because now in my life, I'm just like, bro, I'll go out and be like, what the fuck am I doing here? And right. come right back to the crib. Right, right, right. right. You feel, I'm so cool with not being active yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there, there, there'll be nights where it's like, oh, shit, like, yeah, let's roll out here. I'll find myself there and be look but yo, you and were, be like, bro, I'm getting the fuck Luce, back you were the in crib. a space where if you weren't out, you weren't on. For real. Yeah. Because I, that's, hear, I hear you. For real, because that's when you when you when you base your identity off of what others see you as mm-hmm. or think of you as, if you're not in front of them, who are you? Right. Yeah. You feel me? I do. Like you're like dead. Yeah. But, and I I mean I was I was there. I was at a point we, where like But if, that's but that's the beauty of life, bro, is yeah. because you kinda have to be there to know what you want or don't want. Yeah. It's like, you know. Know when, what you don't want yeah. is really big. Like yeah. Vince said in a podcast, he's like, you, like 50% of it is knowing what you don't want. Right, yeah. right, right. But like, even when you talk to like business cats or cats in the music game and entertainment game about like being in the trenches, the real meaning of being in the trenches is experiencing what X or Y is. Mm. Mm-hmm. You can't know, like, it, it, Look, some people want to be in, like, that's why it's like, bro, go intern at shit. Like, mm-hmm. so many of us have this fucking, like, idea of, I want this type of life. Mm-hmm. But if we actually experience a semblance of what the fuck that is, we may be like, whoa, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like, this shit ain't tight. Yeah. I wanted to be a lawyer for the longest time. And I didn't get to the intern step, but it just so happened that every fucking lawyer and person that was close to me that was a lawyer I talked to was like, do not fucking go down this path, right. bro. Yeah. This is what it entails. <laughs> this, 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 and the other. And I'm over here like, damn, like I'm super good at talking to people in front of groups and all that. But like, right. I don't want to be reading and fucking writing fucking 55 page fucking essays, yeah. bro. Yeah. Your That's retention, not me. the retention level is crazy. Yeah. Like, hell no. Yeah. But you have to. This is the beauty about living, and that's why it's just like, bro, like anybody out there listening, anybody out there going through life, you have to live life to know, you, you have to look, to know what winning is and to know what success is. You have to have lost, mm. like you so many times, yeah, so many, so many times, yeah. Bro. You can't keep winning. Not only that, like, bro, uh, not to like, I guess because it's so relevant in my life. It comes down to the relationship with the girl that's in my life. And because, you know, I had girlfriends when I was in second grade. And because I've been (coughs) in so many bad relationships, it helps me know that, like, this is a really healthy one. Mm. You know? Bro, yes. And my worst relationship ever in my life was in fucking my freshman and sophomore year of college, bro. Right. And it was the most toxic. Like, I'm talking... 
the highest of highs, which were very fucking minimal, and mm-hmm. the lowest of lows, which were fucking quite abundant. Right. You know what I'm saying? There was no like, all right, cool, we're cruising. Mm-hmm. It was either we're bruising or like, what the fuck? Well, does did the you top did you like? stay in it because you were getting bun buns? It was getting bun buns, but I also was just that character that like. I was the Captain Save-A-Ho. Right, right, right. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those things where it was like, it got to a point, though. Like, bro, my boys used to always clown on me in that relationship because, like, I remember my boy Tab especially, G, like, this dude pulled me aside one time and was like, bro. And this is the thing. Even when you're told or even when you know, you have to hit a certain point where you snap out of it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? Yeah. And for all the people telling me this, whatever, like, it got to a point where, you know, so he would always tell me, he's like, bro, you're one of the most like verbally just fucking like you're kung fu verbally. Like nobody will step to you verbally because not only are you fucking intelligent, not only are you logical, but you'll assassinate cats with a smile on your face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You feel me? He's like, but you're the biggest bitch when it comes to this girl. Mm. He's like, if, I feel like you don't have a dick when it comes to this girl. Like, I feel like you're just being beat on. Like, and I'm watching you get beat on. And I'm like, I know you're right, dog. Like, mm-hmm. fuck. Blah, blah, blah. But then it got to a point where the, literally I remember this vividly. And this changed in an instance with me and her. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was just all for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was dropping her off two blocks down from her house because her parents could never know that we were together. Mm -hmm. Different religion shit, all this other fuck shit. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, look, I had this combo where I was like, look, I really care about you a lot, right? But our relationship is fucked up. If we're going to make this work, right, both of us need to start making some changes, okay? She told me straight up, I'm not changing anything. In that moment, I was just like, bing. And I literally looked at her and I said, well, it was fun while it lasted. Get the fuck out of my car. Mm-hmm. She said, what the, what? I said, get the fuck out of my car. So what do you say? I said, get the fuck out of my car. It's done. And that moment forward, bro, it literally was like that moment liberated me because I had been in the depths of what I did not want for so long. That moment moving forward, I, am cutthroat, Hmm. especially with women about my honesty towards what I want or what I'm going. Like, if I just want some ass, I'm going to say it. Hmm. Like, I'm not going to need to woo a woman and be like, I love you, baby. Boo, 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 boo. Mm -hmm. No. Like, it's either like, are you down with this or no? You know, what's funny is I read an article about uh, about a a woman who was basically saying, I would prefer men uh, just tell me they want buns than to, like, tell me that they're in love with me. For real? Yeah. What kind of fucking, like... Pussy ass bitch, yeah. like dude, like tells somebody you love him just to but, get the yeah. fuck. But no, from that moment forward, I just was like, "Yo, this will never happen again." Mm-hmm. But I had to have, like, I didn't have myself for two years. Like, I was the biggest hoe for two years, like a dude that wasn't this character. But I had to go through that to get out of it. Like, you have to go through life yeah. to find what you want in it. Yeah. And you can't be scared of that, man. You can't. Yeah, and like, but uh, it's but see, look, that's so much easier said than done, for sure. But it's like, just know that it happens time and time again. Like, you're not an anomaly. But we all go through this. Dude, shit. So, like, starting from the beginning, like we're we're doing kind of a chronological thing. There's no way you can do that. You can't say, "Hey, from you know, 16 to 
Uh, okay, so 14 to 18, get good grades, go to a college, get right. like your measure for success and how you're going to bloom as a flower, so to speak, you can't compare it to everybody else, man. You can't, bro. Because here I am at a completely different pace mm. than other people, and I'm no, no more or no less successful. Some people think I'm wildly successful, and when I was at my most successful, what people would deem as success is probably the most unhappy. Mm. And like... This isn't a quest for happiness. It's not something that I'm like, I don't want to write and define happiness because it's different for everybody. And people are doing documentaries on it and blah, blah, blah. But I know what what makes me happy. It's like, you know, silly things like cooking a meal, listening to some fucking banging ass Latin music. I feel you. In those moments, I'm like, life is tight as fuck. When I'm about to get on stage... Those five minutes before getting on stage, mad stressful. For when real. I'm on stage, a little different story. Yeah. I'm chilling. I'm soaking it up and getting there. But I'm saying that's when we started talking about balance and things like that. Mm-hmm. I got to make sure that I have moments to be in Philadelphia, cooking a meal, listening to Hector Laveau. Like there, there can't be, it can't be me getting ready to get on stage all the fucking time I until I'm 45. You. I yeah. feel you. I'll be bummed out. Yeah. And, and then the people pe- in my and, life, and, I'm just going to take whoever's there. I'm yeah. just like, you'll do. You'll be great. Because <laughs> sure. relationships and friendships take so much that you have to water those flowers, man. You have to cultivate you that shit, You got to take bro. care of that shit. And it takes a lot of time. But like, those are our assets. Our relationships, our friendships with our family members and our friends. Those are our real assets because... As you live life and you go through the shit and people are telling you this isn't good for you, this is bad, you're going to fuck up. You're going to have your failures. And guess who's going to be there for you? The motherfuckers who you've been talking, just saying, hey, I'm not feeling really good right now. What's up? But again, dog, it's such a luxury to have somebody who picks up the phone for you for sure. or is down Crazy. to come out and smoke a J and chill or go get a cup of coffee or whatever. For yeah. sure. We're so lucky to have two of those relationships. <laughs> that's in a life. big say, fact, bro. Free, that's my friend. And like those have transformed, those have changed shape so many times. But again, listening to yourself, getting focused on your own shit, when you have your own shit and you're right with yourself, you know when it feels right. Mm. You know, Joe, you know, you knew when you were supposed to be like, this is my wife. This is my fucking girl. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? I 100%. love you. Yeah. You make me so happy. 100%. And it was because of the relationship that you had with yourself that allowed you to say, this is healthy. Yeah. This is good. And like, I don't know. I can't say that. Again, it's such a luxury. I don't know if a lot of people get the opportunity to do that because there's so many influences in their life that's taking them and pulling them in different directions. I and just think very few of us are vulnerable the, enough to like... We're all super... All of come us to, Come to one with that. You yeah. feel me? And I mean, look, and also it's like you can say this from this perspective because of what you've gone through. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think Absolutely. Um, you know, it's a testament to what the reality of the entertainment game or the music game <laughs> or those big, you know, starry-eyed aspirations that people have, the fantasies they build up in their mind of being a superstar and having the ultimate success and flying around the world and performing in front of thousands and thousands of people and you know all the all that stuff that's like we're we're almost like brainwashed or conditioned to like validate as success mm-hmm. or happiness even at that point. It's like only because you were able to see 
that in, in, in that glimpse of your life, that period, you can say now, like, look, I know what actually makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And maybe that life makes someone, you know, Asheroth in the next parallel universe, mm-hmm. Very happy. Maybe that maybe that person would say, you know, I'm I'm gonna ride this wave all the way till I'm forty two and, and love it. Mm-hmm. But I think you're able to have this position because of what you've been through. Absolutely. Very clearly now and very contently. Mm-hmm. It's not there there's you know, in how you're describing this, there's no regret. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no like why why did I rebel? Why I should have just Fucking took the money and run. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like there, there's, I don't hear like regret in your voice. I mean, sure, I'm sure there's like, look, there's the life lessons, there's the, mm-hmm. the wrong term turns in your in your words and things where you're like, man, maybe I I should have done this and not that, or you know, you figure those things out, but it's not regret. Mm-hmm. Right. I think you play that hand ten times out of ten times, you make that same decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, I think when I was saying like a lot of that stuff, it, these are decisions that I made. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that's really what it comes down to is uh, we make our decisions in our life. Yeah. You know, we say yes and no to specific things, and so you can't really regret where you end up because a lot of us do make conscious decisions to say this is I'm going to say yes to this or I'm going to say no to this. So, um, you know, for, again, bro, like I. Checked my credit score for the first time today. <laughs> Fucking, you know what I mean? Like I this is it. real shit. Like this is really real shit, and I'm uh, I'm really happy about that. I, I, it feels like I'm in a really uh, just a, a, a real place in my life that allows me to uh, nurture the right parts of myself. And whereas you know, if I stayed on um, the path that I was on, I think that. Um, from a relatability, I probably, well, first of all, never would have checked my credit score ever, or maybe not have checked it until I was like 50 or 42, yeah. you know, 42. Uh, but uh, for the most part, man, I'm in such a healthy place because I I made the decisions. They weren't made for me. And there's no blame. There's no, I can't, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the part. But I was free. Because you know, yeah. there's so many things, man, that fucking person fucked me over. Yeah. That person, this did that. It's just like, yo, I got, no. I got, you know, if we, you know, getting Don't, into it, like there's bad business done on my behalf. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's I'm, the music I'm, industry. It's the music industry. Yeah. And I wish I would have known what I know now then. And I would have, I would have made better decisions. For sure. But again, you don't want to piss anybody off in those early goings. Sure. You don't want to fuck it up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You, oh, you're not going to get this record deal if you don't do this. Oh, I'm going to do that then just because yeah. I need, but if I knew what I knew now and like also, you know, the game has changed so much. Sure. Man. For sure. Like we're, we're able to really, you know, take accountability for our actions and we're really allowed, we're allowed to be independent. Yeah. Uh, and whereas it, if I came up in the game 25 years ago, we're probably having a different conversation. Sure. So. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, even with all that, you're just not coming from that perspective, right? You, you're not coming anywhere even close to that. It, the full ownership that you've been able to take of your decisions and of your path, I think least is a part of that happiness. Sure. Is You know, there's got to be self-accountability and there's got to be that moment where you take ownership. But you like know. now I'm in a place where it's like possibilities are fucking endless, right? You know, yeah. it's like I, I feel really excited about where everything's going is because it's just like, what am I going to do next? I love it. And that is really fun for me instead of being like, this is what it is. Yeah. I do this every day. 
And what you're doing now creatively is very special and dope. Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, the main music-wise, Topher Dolan. Yeah. Uh, back with Oren. From Fucking incredible. Out, you know what I mean? Aye, 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 yeah. Aye, aye. Shout out to And we're having a blast. And I think that's really... I'm having, fr- I'm having fun with my friends. That's man. fucking epic. Like, I didn't lose that. And I would hate to be like, hey, this producer's really dope. You got to get in with this dope producer so you can make your hot single. I'm not on that, man. <laughs> I'm just it. not on it. And like, you know, again, the numbers aren't as probably as big as people would want. But I'm chilling, bro. I'm 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 as happy as can be. I just really hope that I can continue to do this at a level that people uh, are saying, you know, Asher's out here. Like he's he's helping influence and push um, you know, culture and and ideas and thoughts. And I think with I Love College and that that time, we were pushing we were pushing sound and the sonics and essentially the influence in rap music in general. We were being re- really relatable and unapologetic for who we were. Yeah. And I think it set the stage for a lot of artists now. Yeah. Um, and I want to, you know, continue to do that. And I, but I can only do that by being myself. I fucking love it. And bro, like both the new shit, we love the Topher stuff. Like, yeah, Topher's yeah, dope. Topher, it, and, and just the fact that you... But he's kind of an act. In yeah, the same way. I'm sure. kind of sliding into a character. Yeah, but like the, thing, the difference is he's a character that you've crafted. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ooh. And guess what? When I'm done crafting him, I'm going to go on to somebody else. I love bro. it. And everyone's going to be like, but again, what the fuck is But again, you're the captain of the ship yeah. now. Nah, I like, man, so cool to be able to switch it up on Fools and have so much fun. And I don't know how people are going to respond to it. But like, again, coming back to it, like being the new kid. It's going to be all right, man. I love like, it. People are going to fuck with it. I fucking uh, love it. And I, I'm just going to continue to do that, and I hope people are down for the ride. Uh, I'm totally cool with just curating a fan base of ten to 50,000 kids. I don't need a million people. That's a lot of people to try to move. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so just give me my, my nice little independent audience, and so we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm not going to waste my time, and I won't waste theirs. We're not just going to put out trash just to meet our quota. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm excited about it, man. I, I'm respecting myself. I'm mm. respecting my audience. And, uh, you know, with that being said, I feel like I've, I've attracted so much positive stuff into my life. Like us just having this conversation, you know, For I'm sure. not sitting down with strangers. Yeah. yeah. I'm sitting down with people who know where I'm coming from yeah. and can relate. And who fucking love you, bro. Yeah. For real. And, yeah. You know, care about my well being, man. Yeah. Do you know how cool that is? Yeah. So dope. I remember being in, when this first popped off, I had to do 10 hours of, of interviews in Germany. <laughs> With people who didn't give a fuck what happened to me. <laughs> Yo, that's fucking They would have been wild. like, oh, Asher died from an OD? <laughs> oh, I remember that kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? They want to be like, oh, shit, bro. That's like... Damn. So I, I, that's how I want to build my life with just like real real, real people doing real things um, and, and really, really care, man. Really care about what I'm doing. Yeah. Care about what I'm putting out. Care about what I'm putting in my own body. For sure. And I think, you know, in a weird way, that's been detrimental because I cared. If I didn't care, I'd be in a different space. I'd probably have so much money in the bank for sure. But I wouldn't have the relationships yeah. that I have in my life. I love you, bro. Hey, man. It's been a fucking honor. Yeah, yeah, cheers, bro. Yeah, this Same, has been incredible, man. man. No, I thank, think- thank you for coming on. And, and I, I love that this Asher came to this podcast oh, like, this, like this version of you, this person you are right now 
is is culminated to this point. Yeah. And Shout see, out to everything you've been through. Oh, yeah, man. Up, down, left, right, diagonal. Yeah. We here, B-A, baby. B-A, select, start. You know? Shit, for yeah. real, for real. Yep. So thank you, man. And uh, Thank you, guys, man. I, I think that this is a, when you can get people to kind of have a, a little bit of Tito's and talk for real. For yeah. real. Uh, and start the, starting them at the beginning. Because yeah. in a weird way, like you're talking about, it's kind of a therapy session. Like, hold on. Before we get into, like, all the stuff that you've already... That your present day, yeah. How did how did you get here? Yeah, let's take it back. And like, bro, like, not for nothing, man. Like, you guys have reassured me of how important my family has been. I fucking yeah. love you. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. you know, and like, we are. You guys are extended family to me. Yeah. You know I mean, well, Joe, you helped me out tenfold and stuff uh, that bro. I'm doing. And Anoush, yeah, you and I, yeah. like, when we connect, it's just very important to me because it's like it's not that serious, y'all. You it's, know it's, I mean? it's it's soul brothers. Yeah, no, and so like for me, that's like you know that's important to me as well. So I have my immediate family who's helped me. And then I have my extended family who I get to choose to spend my time with as I go. Love. And like, don't disrespect that. If you don't want to hang out with somebody because they drain you of your energy, you don't have to hang out you with don't. that person. Yeah. And people need to remember that. Like, don't just hang out with somebody because you think you're supposed to, or it's going to put you on or whatever the fuck. Love who you're with. And spend time with the people you want to be around because those that's our those are our assets. When we talk about assets and liabilities, <laughs> yeah, you know what real. I mean? Talking about buying yeah. homes and doing credit <laughs> scores and shit. All the stuff we didn't get into on this podcast. But the real shit, the assets in your life are your relationships. Take care of them, uh, nurture them, water them, uh, and take care of yourself because it all stems from that. And, you know, that's kind of where I'll leave it because I've been taking care of myself. And because of that, my relationships are extremely healthy right now. Bro, <laughs> love you, bro. man. Yeah. And, and, and this Cheers. has been incredible, dude. And we're just excited to, to watch you get started. I, we're just getting started, man. Hey, man just, let's fucking go. 100%. Bye.